river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 52. So, when last we left Caelan, King of Stagnall, mm-hmm. he had slain Vorticai, rescued Varn, saved the people of the Varnling host, and uh, entered a speculative alliance with the Gnomon Centaurs. Yep. And... I believe, and, and walked off with, uh, you know, several <laughs> hundred thousand dollars worth of treasure. Yep. He has a huge, and he has a huge amount of treasure. Yeah, well, by the time you add in the value of the magic items in there, it might be a hundred K worth. Yep. Yes, so, um... So, Van and the Vanling host are going to go back to Vanhold and, you know, try and work out... Piece together the remnants of their shattered lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're all buggers. Um, so, my theory was, uh, I think, um, on the whole, what Caelan would be inclined to do is go back to Thagthorn and let people know what's happened. Yeah. And he'd probably come back down in a few days with um, some supplies for Vanhold and to see how they're doing and stuff. That sounds like an extremely useful idea, basically, um... What they will need at this point is essentially some disaster relief type Mm. stuff. It's not that, um, that, I mean, they basically have the conception that, you know, no one's grown any food for the last year, Mm -hmm. so they're going to immediately have a small crisis there. You know, no one's tended to the water wells, Mm -hmm. etc., etc. None of it is uh, particularly problematic or is going to be the death of kingdoms or anything, but... It's all the sort of stuff we're having a neighbour that will donate some food and etc. etc. is um, going to assist greatly. Okay, so I think at this point we more or less have several dozen things to do. Yep, so um, I'm happy to work out an order for them. Yep. So that we have some kind of structure for what's happening. Alright, so Corwin can send um, Corwin can send a message to whoever you like the next day yeah. to say, you know, have killed Vordekai, have saved Van. Yeah. Uh, you probably want to send that to to your father. Yeah. 
Um, it, I don't think we desperately need to go into what it is specifically because you'll get a scene with him later. No. Um, you need to go back to Stagthorn, brief them. Yep. Um, I don't see that as being terribly hard though. No. So. I'd like to play that out as a scene, but it'll be a quick scene. So mm-hmm. tomorrow morning we um, get Corwin to send a message to Elder Thorn mm-hmm. and um, then pretty much. Go and back give to back a message of bravo, as you're pretty much expecting. Yeah, and then um, we'll um, head back to um, Stagthorn and brief them in person. Yeah, so you go back up to Varnhold. Yeah. Um, Varn is pretty taken back by how still and quiet his city is. Um, and then again, just compartmentalises this, puts it aside... Says the food supply will be short. We'll need whatever we can muster in the way of emergency relief. Cloth will have rotted. Blah 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 blah. Um, gives you a very thoughtful list of, you know, if you could send a bunch of people with this, that could be great. Presumably, at some point in here, you queue them in and hey, we've got your treasury. You can yeah, pretty yeah. much have it back whenever. Yeah, I told them that. Yep. So the theory being. Um, Kaelin will go back to Stag, Thorn and brief them, yep. and then come back to Varnhold with Varn's treasury, yep. and a um, gift from Stag, Thorn in the form of some emergency relief. Yep. Which um, Kaelin will subsequently pay for, for per, will take out of Kingdom Bill points for the short term and subsequently pay out personally. Yep. Uh, Varnhold at this point consists of, they have three councillors remaining. Yeah. Varn is their king, Crazy Ernie, their druid treasurer, and yeah. Garnak Bonepicker. Their general. Their, yeah. their fabulous general. Yeah. So they're not in great shape. No. But um, the thing is, like, they've had a bad year, yeah. but they're not they're actually, bad you know, worse off than they were when they're necessarily worse off than they were when they first come down here and had basically nothing. Yeah. I mean, they've lost a lot of councillors, which is pretty bad, over the course of the last couple of years, which is pretty bad. But they still have a small town, and you know they can they, they can potentially rebuild from this. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, yeah, so the plan is to um, head back to Stagthorn okay. with Corwin and Michaela. So you head back to Stagthorn with Corwin and Michaela, and um, if Corwin has sent ahead to let people know, uh, I, I think Corwin will have sent a really brief message of um, Bordekai dead, Van rescued. Yep. So, people are waiting around eagerly for you to return. Uh, Tristan, in particular, comes running out and basically yeah. meet you at the castle gates. Um, he says, Kayla, is, are you, is, is everything alright? We got Corwin's message. It sounds like you've succeeded. That's fantastic. Aye, it's all good. Michaela and I snuck in through a back way and killed Mordecai. And then, um... And um, a few of his um, undead minions, and then Corin and I went down through the front way and killed all the rest. Well, well, come come on through. We've got the rest of the council assembled, oh. waiting, waiting for further word. So, <laughs> come in. Council room. Yes. Um, and, um, yeah, um, so, Kaelin will give them a briefing on what happened, what, what he found, what happened in terms of, you know, Killing our way through the killing Vordekai, killing our way through the base. What we found out about Vordekai's plans. Yep. And then, um, so 
Unfortunately, Maester Pedron and Jumandi Ral were killed, I would say, within a few days of Van Hall, of Van Hall being taken. They were able to resist the compulsion, and that didn't work out that well for them. Tristan falls off a bit at this. Um, the rest of Van and his people all appear to be fine, although a bit upset to discover the time that's passed. Tristram's theories were right on the money. They, Van remembers being questioned by Mordecai, but for them no time has passed. I've, um, and um, Akora Silverfire has offered us a permanent alliance. She was very grateful for us having rescued her daughter and killed her ancient enemy. How that's going to the um, how Vaughn's people are going to adjust to that is something we'll have to work through with them. And there is much a taken backness of your council. Yes, but the gods the gods have favoured us, and we we were able to take Vordekai down, essentially from ambush. Which I'm not certain that would have worked in a fair fight. So I'm. Yeah. I'm very grateful for it. If you're having a fair fight in the first place, uh, wait, I'm not here. Mm-hmm. Akaros is left. Yes. Uh-huh. Chief Vesketh comes out with fights not always fair. Victors tell the story. <laughs> Got that right, says Bruin. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway, the um. The worst is over, I would I would say. And I'm very pleased to discover that this time the kingdom hasn't been attacked by a giant owlbear. I'm dad glad we took um, Vordekai down before he started enchanting all our people out of the gates. That would have been ugly. We've got a much bigger population. No, I don't see how we could get them all back. Beyond a few worries about what would happen to you, everything has been quiet here, says Christopher Rossi. Oh, that's excellent. The... Um, I can't help but feel the people of Stagthorn deserve a few months without zombie attacks. The people of Vanhold, I think, could definitely use some help. What what can we do for them? Um, Well, we still have a good bit of their treasury under lock and key in our treasury. Um, My plan is to take that back and a bit of our kingdom's resources, which I can make up. Uh, which I can make a cap so our people don't suffer for it. Uh, Vordekai, as it turns out, had a substantive personal fortune waiting to run his kingdom with. But um, it'll pro- what the kingdom can supply will probably be more use. I'll run some numbers on what Van and his people will need. Thanks, Corwin. And um, I was thinking, Tristram, you could go down, come down with me? Absolutely. I... I think um, Corwin and Michaela could possibly use some rest. It, um, that was not a nice place. Yes, I cannot say I'm particularly desperate to dash out again. I well, if there's anything over there that needs a good needs a good spear through its heart, you know where I am. But I'm hoping things will be well. Things will probably be a bit quiet now. Uh, that's certainly what I would like. Right, and. Um, so um, I want to talk privately to um, just the my five personal guys about the orb. Yep. Which um, I would be inclined to do. So you are not um, info dumping to the council at large on this uh, 
To, I, I assume your council will ask you several questions on specifically what happened. Yeah. Um, are you info giving them nothing, info dumping at large, and leaving the eye more or less out of it, or? Um, I'm essentially probably saying. Um, Vordekai had a magic object, you know, yep. we were able to damage it badly in the process and that helped us to win. Yeah. And then I'm just not info-dumping the post the fight, it turned out it was fine and I looted it. Are you info-dumping um, that that's what's called the people of Armhold? Yes. Right, because your councils will want to know. Yeah, so the, the Oculus thing, I, I found a way to apparently break it in that P- Particularly, particularly in context of had he was going to use Don else for this. Yeah, yeah, so I will tell them those parts, I'll yep. just, uh, I won't actually say um, that it was destroyed specifically, I'll just say that it was damaged in the fight and then not go into, but after that it turned out to be perfectly fine and is yep. definitely still on. Yeah. And as to the rest of the tomb, you're more or less telling them we found by. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's um, I'm cu- I'm skipping out all the bits where Michaela control solved problems yep. by controlling yep. zombies, same as I did for Corwin. But I'm pretty much telling them. Christ- what we found Christopher Rossi and Tristan both get very excited by uh, vast hordes of tablets. You say in yeah. ancient history in the way. I, I, this must be assessed properly. I don't at this the it's a nasty place. But at this stage, I don't think it holds any peril, much less something that the Order couldn't deal with. Um, and it doesn't appear to pose any current threat. Oh. I don't have any present objection to having it be declared an archaeological site. And Akora will have told you that she's going to put uh, essentially a, a squadron of her people generally on watch around the tomb, at, cool. least, at least initially. Yeah. Just on the off chance that Vordekai comes jumping back out of it again. Yeah. Or a whole horde of zombie cyclops endeavour to get in or out or something like that. But um, it's I think it's too early to be doing that kind of stuff yet. We'll need to see where, where the centaurs are at. Our alliance is, is a little fragile with them at present. Of course. And um, the, the pleasant thing about stone tablets is uh, the, the whole place appears to have been preserved by magic and the pleasant things about sto- things about stone tablets is that they... Don't appear to go anywhere. Yeah. Rossi will accept this at face value. He um, says, at some point, I would like to have a very lengthy discussion with you about precisely what you saw down there. Yep. But that can wait. Alright, and then um, I will gather my my little band. And um, Tristram, we um, need your take on something. And, um, well, um, Michaela, can you um, get that chest out? Chunk, 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 chunk. Oh, interesting. It's the Oculus thing. It's not broken. It's not broken anymore. It still wants to be used. Well, let me have a, a look at these things. I, I take it you've handled. I take it you've handled it. I. It's an unnerving experience. There's a reason I didn't exactly tell the rest of the council about it. Well, let us have a look then. It will reach out and pick up the Oculus Avatar. It changes shape very slightly in his hands to match his eye instead of yours because you're a little taller and broader and bigger than Tristan and probably have slightly bigger eyes. Um, and he looks at it. Reads out, thinks from it. Interesting. Puts it back in the box. You see what I mean? 
it's still quite functional, perfectly preserved. I, I mean, that's wonderful uh, from a certain point of view, of course. I don't think it's wonderful. I think that thing is... <laughs> Michaelis says there ought to be some way to destroy it. I assume you've tried something as basic as hitting it with a hammer. Yeah, let's say I have. Uh, you, you may actually yeah. not. No, 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 nay. Give me that smash! Corbin <laughs> pulls out a hammer, pulls out his morning star, and smashes it to the box. Michaela winces like. If you could have taken it out of the chest first, <laughs> um, none of the objects in the box appear to be damaged by this. Less yep. of all the Oculus of Azeroth. Is the box damaged? Uh, only slightly. Yeah. Pick, pick, pick. Yeah, cool. Can you fix that? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Um, as to the as to the rest as to the rest of what's in here, let me check my knowledge. I, of course, know lots of things about lots of things. He will cast detect magic on this and start looking it over. Well, I would guess this cloak and ring, are, the, the cloak, the ring, and the headband are magical items. We'll need to identify them over the days to come. Aye. Uh, this, and he holds up the uh, little withered tentacle on a chain. Aye, I was wondering what was going on with that. It's. Radiating minor elements of a lot of protective magics. Abjurations, enchantments, illusions. It looks like things designed to keep it from be keep it from being found, keep it from being destroyed, that kind of thing. Most of these wards have worn off it over time. Is it uh, his phylactery? I would say almost certainly. Right. Uh, it's inactive. Vordekai is an atrophied lich. It's not going. He's not going to return. The phylactery would remain intact until such time as he'd regained sufficient of his wizardly powers to reenact the rituals again. All right. Well, that's good to it know. It would have provided him with very limited amounts of power. He's already a lich, but it would have enabled him to reuse his phylactery. As to this, it should be <clears throat> relatively easily destroyable by spending several days dispelling the protections on it. At that point, it's nothing more than a normal object. It looks extra planar to me. A piece of something from the Outer Dark would be my guess. Probably something quite powerful, but uh, this is no more dangerous than someone else's cut-off finger at present. Oh, well, the um, spending a couple of days destroying it sits well with me. I think I can I, I can take care of that with Corwin's help. We'll need curse removals. That's what I, I yeah, I think I can do that. I'll I'll walk you through it. Mm-hmm. As to the as to the Oculus of Azathoth itself, uh, I, I certainly have nothing for you at the moment. I'll need to study it. I uh, Michaela is right in that I, I would guess it's almost certainly an artifact. If mundane methods can't destroy it, then it will have, a, as a part of every great magic, every great magic comes with a way to unmake it. It's a part of the way the, unit, the nature of magic itself works. It must be able to be unmade somehow. Whether or not the means are beyond our methodologies, 
I'll have to research extensively. I'll have to find out what the Oculus can do. Don't worry, I, I don't really have any great inclination to pluck out my own eye and stick it in there. Such things tend to end rather badly, and I rather like my eyes. I... I, um... Kinda hope I can trust everyone here to have the same good sense. I'm not so certain everyone in the kingdom is that up to it. I'd prefer we kept this between... And I'm certain that there are people outside the kingdom who'd fancy something with this kind of power. Advertising that we possess an object of great power is unwise. I think for the time we best stick to the story that the Oculus of Abaddon fell severed from his head. Aye. And is no more. If we can um, keep it safe within the castle, um, locked up, we'll get a chest of our own rather than continue to impose upon Michaela's, but... I'd say put it in the treasury. It's the most secure thing we have. Aye. But um, also we'll have guards and traps on it. Best we can, best we can put on. Best our kingdom can do. Why? But um, I know you've um, just had it dropped on you, kid. But um, Tristram. But um, it. I think in the long term, it would be good if we can take care of it. It's already being used against, if not us, then our neighbours once. I actually suggest we keep it with the phylactery. The phylactery itself should be, by its nature, by its nature, warded against and difficult to locate. If we keep the eye near it then it's likely, should anyone attempt to scry upon it or divine its location, that such attempts would at least be warded against, if not uh, outright fail. That sounds like a good idea. Do we want to refrain from destroying the flactory so we can use it as a guardian for the eye? I, certainly for the moment, I think so. Okay. We would, This would be something to fear as if we feared Vordekai was going to uh, re-emerge from the, ten- from the tentacle. As it stands, it's an object of power, but no longer a significant one. It would have had great meaning to him, though. Aye, I can imagine. He seemed very bewildered by the world, but he never had any doubt he would be able to retain his power. Even as he died, he still thought that it was going... something was going to happen that would prevent us from killing him. Fool. Always something stronger than you in the world. Wise people know it. No went to cut and run. I think he knew that there were things stronger than him. He showed no inclination to emerge from his lair. He simply didn't think we were one of those things. Well, you have to keep in mind that he works on a scale that would simply dwarf us. I mean, we've been building the Kingdom of Staghorn for five years now, and it's a blip on his radar, as is, frankly, everyone's life here, even even Corwin's. Right? You're saying I'm old, are you? Well, I, I mean, your age does exceed all of us put together. He looks over at Michaela, raises his light eyebrow, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but I- even you, you know, you must have been a very different man 300 years ago. Right? That's for sure. <laughs> Another several other lives ago, I would say. Huh? And to Vordekai, even that length of time would have been largely meaningless. A hundred years to conquer the River Kingdoms would have been a time scale very feasible to him. Aye, we couldn't have kept up holding him off forever. But then a defensive war is usually not the best best kind. Michaela makes a noise of polite disagreement. <laughs> well, it depends on the circumstances, but being put on the defensive by an opponent is not 
necessarily a good thing. Is that what you wanted to achieve here? Yep. The young... And the um, thing is sufficiently complex that Tristan will want to spend a couple of days studying it. Yeah. Um, he is literally going to take the eye and the phylactery um, to essentially his room in the castle and the libraries and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, study it. Um, he says... I understand why you might want to keep this secret, but I would like to get Christopher Rossi's opinions on this. He's well learned. I'm okay with Christopher Rossi knowing. I um, have faith in his ability to keep things secret. Member of a secret society, yes. after all. Uh, a member of a secret society that deal in archaeological ruins, yeah. ancient mysteries, etc., etc. To, to be honest, the... Um, one of our uh, friends, you might say, I most want to, not to know about it is Akros, who... I'm not 100% certain. I'm fairly certain... I'm going to get me a new eye. I'm fairly certain would have the sense not to take the thing up on it, but not 100%. But I'm, I am actually more worried about people outside the kingdom than the men, but the more people that know about it, the more of a problem it is. But Rossi by himself, I've no problem with. Alright, well, I'll work on that for the next several days. I think that should keep me busy for the next several days, at least. I, um, I'll keep... I think, um, we'll give the people of Varnhold a couple of days to settle themselves in. You can do some research on this, but it's not a pro- It's not something I'm expecting you to solve by Tuesday. You can come down to... Uh, we can leave it here, and you can come down to, um, Varnhold with me for a bit, and, um, it'll still be here. I certainly hope it'll still be here when you get back. Yep. Um, moving into montage time at this point, yep. basically. Um, so I want to have a quick conversation with Corwin yep. before I depart, and then um, we'll probably have several scenes across the montage. Yep. This hallway conversation with Corwin. Yeah. Right. Um, listen, um, uh, about what happened in the tomb. Thanks for helping me destroy all those nasty beasts, and um, I'll. I'm sorry about the thing with the water creature. I don't entirely understand, but I'll stop bugging you about it. You're perfectly capable of destroying the undead with Nettle Spike, and that's all we really need. It's... What you can do is good enough. I... I've... There are many things I can air do no more, but there are many things I can I didn't used to be half this good with a spear, half this strong. I guess you take your good with your bad Aye. when things change. Things are always changing, after all. By nature of the world, even when you think you know how it's going to go down, he shrugs. I certainly couldn't have seen any of the things that have happened this year coming when we went to the when we went to Van's wedding. And then we brought Bloody Nisker along for a start. I can tell you one thing. Prophecy, or death sight, or not, I don't need to be a bloody scholar to tell you the world's better off without Vorticite in it. Aye. Whatever. 
Whatever. That's what it. That's what I say. Yeah, Whatever. Done a good job putting that dead bastard down, lad. Whatever happens from now, whatever fate hold, has in store for the two of us and for the kingdom, we did a bloody good thing. And that's something that they'll lay, lay to us when our time comes. And diplomacy check. Relationship. Yep, no worries. Central trust. Good to know. Uh, you have several relationship points with several people from your actions in here. Okay. Uh, which I can just give to you arbitrarily at this point. Yep, sounds fine. Um, I mean, you're welcome to roll out the scene at any, any scenes. Uh, at there's any there's no compelling scenes attached to any of yep. these per se. Uh, so, Trist, with Tristan, you gain a point of relationship for saving Van Thor, which you have undisputably accomplished at this point. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Corwin, you gain a point of relationship for slaying Vortikai. Ah, yes. <laughs> yep, can't argue with either of those. And with Michaela, you gain a point of relationship for um, beating the Pisco Damon, that lobster thing, um, with cunning rather than swords. Yep. And I have, which means I have... Um, 20 relationship points with her. 20 relationship points with her. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. So I, will, I have added a scene with her to my list of um, scenes to do. Yep. And that's it for the moment. Yep. I'm on 19 with Corwin now. That went up fast, wasn't it? 14 before? Uh, well, I mean, it was 14 at some point. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so... I think it was actually 16, and um, I've picked up three. I have several several dozen scenes to do with you in um, any number of orders. Yep, so um, I have... Uh, I'm interested in like going back to Van Hold and seeing how Van is doing and having big diplomatic conversations with Van and the centaurs. Yep. And, um, you know, uh, and then um, just kind of letting... You know, letting what happens happen. So you can. Um, so that's the that's the that's Kalen's immediate schedule. Is he's spending another couple of days in Stagthorn, then yep. travelling back to Varnhold with some relief supplies. Yep. So um, you can put whatever scenes you like in Stagthorn, and then we can head back to Varnhold and yep. do more scenes there. Yep. What so? What you will get is um, you actually want to head to ba- back to Varnhold pretty promptly. Okay, yeah. Um, because their people at present literally have no food. Their yep. storehouses are empty. Their granaries are empty. Okay, The yep. fields have not been planted. All right. Like, they, they could scrape by for a day or two, but they'd be scraping by. Yeah. Okay, in which case, you know, there's a road between hither and thither. Yeah. Caelan will ride through, report to the council, and yeah. head out the same day, and Tristram yeah. can just study the Oculus of uh, Abaddon when he gets back. What you do, effectively, is you spend the night at home. Yeah. 
um, get a bunch of people on assembling a bunch of supplies that we have available. Yeah. Uh, none of the council um, really even blink at the slightest at the concept of we're giving Varthold charity. Yeah. Um, and you ride out the next morning accompanied by anyone you wish to take with you. Tristan will want to go. Yeah. Um, and um, a variety of wagons, supplies, merchants... You know, a couple of spare militia men for general defending, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm happy. Uh, unless Bryn particularly wants to come along, I'm happy to just take me and Tristra. Yeah, she's, she's good. Yeah. Um, effectively, Corwin will sit down and run some numbers and go, I, based on the number of people Van have and that, the condition that Van holds in, I don't think it'll take him too long to get back on his feet. He should only need a wee bit of supply. This is literally a build point. Sweet. We'll cover this. Yep. I am very content with that. Because you are not having to take on responsibility for feeding his people forever. You are literally just getting them through like a week's crisis where they have no money, they have no food, they have no contacts. Yes. But rather than using every penny of their own treasury which they'll to, to buy emergency food which they'll need to save for a building, we'll just yep. give them their treasury back and then use one bill point of our money. Yep. Sounds good. So yeah, um... I believe I don't know if I can just spend that, or if I need to actually take it out of the Kingdom Treasury next turn, or whatever. Ah, just you've you've got a build point pile there. Haven't yeah, you? yeah, so I have. It decreases by one. You assemble. Yeah, a bunch of course, because of... what I'm thinking of is taking build points out of the Kingdom Treasury and putting them in my personal pants, yeah, which yeah. is a very different thing. Yeah, the the people of Stagthorn are scarcely going to riot over. You know, we're helping our neighbouring kingdom who totally got eaten by a lich. Yeah. It's pretty much just a matter of standard uh, international relations. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very different from um, me borrowing money. Yep. Okay, that's fine. So, yep, subtract a bill point, gather it up in, you know, immediate food... Like, probably a combination of, like, immediate food supplies and, you know, crops and farm animals. Yep. Seeds, seeds and farm animals, to, yep. and um, some tools and the like. Yep. And you... Right out where Van has his people already kind of back out in the, in the fields, in their homes. Uh, rebuilding work is starting slowly here. He greets you as you come in. He gives Tristan a tremendous hug. Um, it's, good to see, it's good to see you both again. And all this will save us several, several minor crises. So, first wagon has... Um your own the money from your treasury and your own personal gear, which I imagine you'll be glad to see back <laughs> here. My treasury is this crazy, honey. <laughs> Ernest, pick it up. The bear goes over, picks up the big chest. <laughs> um, no doubt Van's wearing a weapon of some kind, but no yep. doubt he'd be glad to exchange it for his own actual longsword. That feels better. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the rest is just some stuff Corwin thought oh, oh, would be useful to um, get your... Um, Get your people something to eat in the short term, and get them, give them a hand getting crops back in in the in the slightly longer term. We'll have need of it. There's, Barnhold looks to be in acceptable shape, all things considered. I'm surprised the centaurs didn't sack it. We had a conversation about it. We'll need to have a couple of conversations with them, but um, let's um, we're happy to pitch in and give you folks a hand getting set back up, and then we can. Worry about the business and diplomacy once things are a little bit more on track here. 
Right, so you pitch in. You're you're just basically bopping around the town at this point. Yeah. Um, when at some point a couple of hours after you arrive, you hear the <laughs> sort of warning horns um, from and Van looks Van looks up the sentries and people get alarmed as riding in towards the town there is a squadron of centaurs about a dozen of them um, towing behind them what looks like a huge big sled with stuff on it and Van almost you know quite instinctively puts his hand on his sword goes to draw it and you know what this is about nay but I trust him let me go. Uh, come on, come with me, and we'll go out and see what it is that they want. And they pull up several hundred meters outside of Van Hole, out of arrow shot range. And pe- as people head out, then the center, the centaurs are all um, sort of scraping their feet and prancing around. Um, they are led by Denise Thunderhoof, who folds her arms, looks very awkward here, and addresses Van. Human. We understand your people have suffered under Vordekai. We do not wish you to starve. We have bought you supplies. And reveals to Van basically they have a wide variety of recently slaughtered meat on there. Um, thatching, tools, that kind of thing. This is we will keep. We will hold to our peace treaty as long as you do. And King Caelan of Stagthorn will see. King Caelan of Stagthorn will see to it on both sides. I imagine he looks. She looks at you with a sort of vaguely wary respect. And Caelan outright grins at her. For now, take this as a hand extended. Van looks at. I. Thank you for your charity in these times of hardship. Convey to your priestess my thanks. I will. Thanks, Denise. Again, they just turn and gallop off. Interesting. Ernest. <laughs> Crazy Ernie! Oh, yep, yep, yep. Check this over for poison. Alright, on it. Goes over, sort of looks at it, waves his hands a bit, casts something. No, it's it's good. It's just me. Interesting. We've spent some time together. They're um, it's they're not a hundred percent on humans, and you, you folks definitely have some history. They um had some problems with you conquering them, which is really understandable on both sides. But they're good folks once you get to know them. By and large, Denise's a bit twitchy, but um, she's a good fighter. Alright. And um, Tristan sort of says, well, it's, it's so good to see you again. I was I was terrified I, I wouldn't see you again. It's okay. We made it through as best we could. I, I just, I, I want to know so much about what happened to you, and, and I've got so much to catch up with you on. They go off and have a private conversation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fed the people of Vanhold. 
So um, something I actually wanted to do before I get too much further yep. um, is talk to the lady. And specifically about the Oculus, generally about if she has anything to raise, and specifically about the Oculus of Avatar. Oh, the Queen of Forgotten Time. Uh, yes. Right. Yes. Because I don't call her Titania, because yeah. I called her the Lady. Yeah, sorry, I, I'm Ed Corwin's here, the Lady of Graves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you... And in fact, you know, any time's as good as any other time in the fields of Van Holders. Yeah, you, you... Um, that looks like it's going to be a long conversation. You you go off sort of lie in the fields outside Varnhall, clutch the amulet that you have, and think of her, and your mind is carried away, and you are in the bedroom in the house of forgotten time again, um, looking out over the various windows. The vast majority of them are prominently showing Vordekai's tomb and the ghost stone at this point. Um, the shattered oculus, the, the shattered um, oculus that's up there, and then a bunch of centaurs patrolling around outside of the frozen over river. And she looks up as you basically. It, it, there's no sensation of walking into the room. You think about this, and you were there, and yeah. she is right there in front of you, watching you. She says, "Kaylin, you succeeded where no one else did, where no one else could." I watched, I sensed much of it. You have... What you have done here is going to echo for a long time. She moves to one of the windows, makes a gesture as if to open it, and the scene just changes, and it's Bordecai's war room down there with all the writing. This creature, the servant of the outer darkness, would have swept over land after land after land, if he had become strong enough, he could have endeavoured to undo the sacrifices made so long ago. Endeavour to bring the darkness back after endlessly consolidating his own power. It could have taken him a thousand years or more, a moderate length of time at least, by any standard. Caelan smiles slightly. But you have put a stop to this. You have brought peace to our river kingdoms. Thank you for your help. It's um, it made a difference there. I appreciate your willingness to help. I know that's not easy with the constraints you're under. I wanted your advice on what remains and Kale and gestures to the tomb and particularly about the eye. Uh. As you as you gesture to it and think about this, the scene in the window changes at your thought as well to the carving of the Oculus with a big slash through the middle of it. Um, you have the Oculus of Azathoth. It is a powerful artifact. Do you know how to destroy it? I do not. I could examine it, divide upon it, endeavour to draw my own conclusions. Uh, you've, Tristan is Tristan is right as always. That there is some method of its destruction. Should that prove untenable, though, the, the offer that I can make for you easily at this stage is to hold it here, in the place of in the house of forgotten time. Ah. Oh. I do not claim that this place is impenetrable, but it is well beyond mundane methods of access. I can imagine. That's a generous offer, I thank you. I think we'll 
you, um, maybe you and Tristram could work together. I'm sure he'd like that to take a look at the thing. If its destruction proves to be beyond our means, I may well take you up on that. It's not something... I don't want to leave it around for anyone to find, but it's not something uncomfortable having with us. I prefer not to put it here. This place is... But I'm certain it'd be well guarded. This place is beautiful. It's... And guarded. My power lies here, and I am not without other defences. I can in believe... The rooms, in the rooms beyond this one. I can believe it. Do you think there's any more harm in the tomb? If I were to let the, um, let the Order have a poke around in there? I know Candlemere was a place of darkness, but this, the tomb's a nasty place, but it doesn't feel like it had the same kind of pool without Mordecai in it. It is a temple to obscene deities, a darkness and shadow that should have never been allowed upon the land. It should be blighted from it, wiped out. Harm can come from anyone dealing with these things. The outer dark is not meant to be. This temple should not be investigated. It should simply be exterminated. I am incapable of obliterating it from the face of the earth. Such a task may prove challenging even for you. But that is what should be done with it. It cannot remain there frozen monument to mad stupidity <laughs> accessible to anyone who can walk across a thin bridge of ice she looks kind of bitter <laughs> yeah but I do not control mortal wealth uh, but I'll be I um, sort your advice and I'll bear it in mind and you're welcome to make a sense motive check on her if she's inside. Yes, sounds good. Well, that was good. Possibly not good enough, but 24. Okay, so you will get off her... Um, she's uh, very sincere in what she's saying, but her opinion is very much coloured. Yeah. Um, because it was Mab that brought the temple here? Well, A, A, she very obviously has problems with Mab and Oberon both of some kind. Yeah. Um, B, as you understand it, the um, great fey lords and ladies, Oberon, Mab, and um, Titania, um, all gave up some significant part of themselves and left the world. To stop the lords of the outer dark. To stop the the creatures of the outer dark. So she's essentially sacrificed something to stop exactly this sort of crap from existing. Yeah. they they obviously haven't succeeded in the sense that they succeeded in the sense that the outer dark is walled away. There are, it is no longer accessible from this world, but there are still holes, rips, portals, temples, you know, servitors, that sort of thing. Mm. They still exist as a concept in much the same way the Fae still definitely exists as a concept. Mm. Um, keep in mind um, that the the trio of them, the High Fae, do not have are not supposed to have any real significant um, power or following outside of the River Kingdoms. The River Kingdoms is the area where they still exist, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, head across to Mwangi, and no one's ever heard of Mab or Titania in any yeah. fashion. 
nor have they ever been seen wandering around or anything of the sort. Yeah. Um, this is their remaining foothold. So that is her sincerely held opinion. Yeah. But it is not necessarily coming from her having sat down and wisely analysed all the facts and compared this to Candlemere and compared the relative danger levels to what could be learned. Yeah. This is just her blanket response is always going to be no. Yeah. You know, anything associated with the outer dark, no, kill it with fire. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you will get off this, as you actually succeed on this sense markup check, um, is that your impression is that she actually should be angrier about this. This is this is kind of the equivalent of you finding out that um, somewhere in your kingdom there's this huge ass shrine of Gyrona, yeah, and then somebody coming to you and going. Gee, do you, do you think it's a good thing? You know, should we keep it there? Yeah. And you, of course, would go, fuck, no, let's go burn it to the ground and get quite yeah. angry about it. She is upset and angry, but with nowhere near the level of passion you'd expect. It's like her her anger and her passions are, are suppressed in some fashion in the yeah. form that she's in. Right, yeah. She literally can't get as upset or as angry about it as she would want to. She's encouraging you to solve the problem, but she's not saying shaking you and going, for God's sake, man, you have to blow it up. Yeah. Something about her, her nature, essentially. And yeah. like all Faye, she is bound by her nature. Yes. Okay, back to you. Alright. And um Caleb will ask you a few questions about like, because like Filling in the temple isn't tremendously practical. Yeah. If filling in the temple isn't tra- practical, would it be possible to deconsecrate it to the Lords of the Outer Dark in terms of destroying the murals and the like? Um, what what would be a good potential? What would be a good outcome from her perspective? Style of thing. With your limited resource, I suppose. With your limited resource, the best thing to do would be to sink the sink the island altogether crack the earth it stands upon and bury it in the bottom of the river with your limited resource it may be easier to stop her to stop her fill it cut cut down the carvings smash the tablets destroy the knowledge I Left to my own devices, I'd throw earthquake spells at it, basically. Yeah. You seem to be incapable of doing this. Yeah. Alright. And you'll know, like, um, Corwin has spells he could use to, you know, uh, melt the stone down and close off the doors and things. Yeah. But that's no stopper to anyone sufficiently determined who wants to go through a bunch of stone. Yeah. You know, you with an adamantine great axe if you wanted back great sword if you wanted back in there would be back in there. Yeah. In ten minutes. Alright, so I will it's another it's another difficult decision. Yep. But um, that's right, I wanted her opinion. Um is there anything else um you have concerns about about what's happening? Anything else you want to talk to me about? I think there will be interesting days to come for the people of Varnhold and the cent- and the Nomad Centaurs, but I'm confident that you will bring peace to them. My champion, Caelan Vesperia. I think in this case I might really be able to succeed in doing that. Seeing those um, centaurs rolling up with sledges of food for Varn feels like that's, that has actually made a difference. 
the River Kingdoms are not are not at peace yet, but if you continue your course, she shrugs again. They're safe in any rate. There's they're a good bit as you say, they're a good bit safer because Mordecai's gone. That's bringing me. Whatever else happens, that was worth doing. Yes, Kaelin comes back to this point because yep. this is kind of his first... His um, first world cracker. Yeah, his first world stage style achievement. I mean, you know, Stag There's no real guarantee at this point that Stag Thorn isn't just going to come and go within 50 years and, you know, come on more member of the Hunter. But, um... I mean, it's certainly more stable than it was, but it's by no means a kingdom to last the ages. But um, whatever else happens, he's he's one of the he's one of the people that killed Mordecai, and everyone's safer because he did that. <laughs> All right, and yes, and then we continue on with with, with whatever happens next, helping. Um, you know, Caleb's pretty happy to pitch in with um, fairly mundane tasks, yep. as he was in the early days of founding Stagthorn. Okay, so at this point you have um, several things which I will basically give to you as the player, and you can more or less tackle in whatever order. Yep. Um, Kaelin will receive um, requests from Akora Silverfire to uh, entreat with her and speak about the future of... Um, of Stagthorn and the Nomen Centaurs. Yep. Um, Vaughn would also like to, sit, to have a lengthy diplomatic conversation with you yep. about what happens next with Vaughnhold. Yep. Um, uh, Michaela at some point will um, want to invite you to a particular... She doesn't actually literally invite you to this. This is a player-facing thing. Uh, will want to invite you to a particular ceremony for her scene. Yep. Her 20-point thing. Uh, Eldest Thorn will be appearing to speak with you at some point. Awesome. Um, Tristan, uh, uh, Tristan, Titania, and Christopher Rossi will come back with information on the Oculus of Azathoth. Yep. Um, and Christopher Rossi and Tristan will both want to speak to you about what happens next to Vortify's tomb. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think the order in which you reeled those off is pretty close to the order that I want to tackle them in. Yep. What I'd like to do first is have a big conversation with Vaughn. Yep. So I think, in elapsed time wise, I'm kind of thinking about you know giving him a week to get. Yeah, that's exactly what I have in mind as well. Yeah, the the a week to get the kingdom sort of on its feet again. So you distribute all these goods to him. Yeah. Um, he basically um. You know, gets a bunch of details, wants to stay in closer relations to um, ensure his people are fed through these difficult times and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, is, is very happy with what Stagthorn is doing and then, you know, says obviously you have business of your own to go attend to, Van is under control. You go back to Stagthorn, you do several more things. Yeah. Um, and about a week after all this, you get an envoy from Van basically coming to you to say that... Um, in a, in a very formal letter to say that King Van, King Van of the King Van Thorn of the Vanling Host, would like to speak to King Caelan of Stag, King King Caelan Thorn of Stagthorn, King Caelan of Stagthorn, um, you know, at his early conven- at his earliest convenience, blah 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 blah. It's quite heavily couched in a lot of heavy diplomatic language, but it's basically you and I need to talk king to king about what happens next at, at your convenience. 
Yep. Oh, yes. So I will totally. So um, actually, prior to that, in the rebuilding phase, while yep. I'm still in Vinehold, um, I presume we recover the bodies of. Um, Jumandi and, and, and Pedro and actually have funerals for them and bury them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, at the funeral service, I will tell Van what we believe Jumande's words to him would have been. He bows his head and nods, and um, tell him that um, I will. Um, you know, I imagine he'll make his own arrangements, but that um, I'll want to honour them in my kingdom for what I knew of them. And for sacrificing themselves, b- being part of the first wave of defenders that ensured we all had some warning that Vordekai was coming, Pedro did everything he could to leave us a message. One that easy to figure out, but he did his best. I know how to get in touch with most. Most of Pedro leaves little leaves little in the way of family, but I know how to get in touch with Jumandi's people in the land of Illinois Kings. Oh. Have to compose a letter to her, to them. I'm sorry. She was a good woman. It's a terrible waste. It certainly is. I, I did not love her in the same way you love Bryn, but I respected her a great deal. We must go on, I suppose. I'm sorry you've had such a difficult time of it. I've certainly lost counsellors, but it hasn't been the same battering you've had between the wars with the centaurs and all these troubles. Still, where there's life, there's hope, I suppose. At least um, the majority of your people made it through. Okay. And yes, assuming so, that you accept Van's proposition, yes, um, he will come to Elk's Rest to see you. Okay, um, and he gets formally presented to you in the castle as King Van Thorn of um, of, of the Vanlin host. Yeah, um, and then goes into basically a private conference room with you. Sweet, um, and he has bought a wide variety of papers, maps books, notes, things of that nature. Yeah, so I'll take him into one of Kalen's little offices that he uses to um, actually do paper do paperwork style thing and clear off a table. And Van will sit down with a heavy sigh and then takes off his crown and his yep. sort of heavy robe of office and all that sort of thing. I think we can largely dispense with the ceremony if that's alright with you, Your Com- Majesty. <laughs> Completely. Hey, talk now that I'm, I'm glad you came to see me. I didn't want to um, bother you while you're we still catching up. Dumped enough stuff on you in the tomb, but um, I figured that we need to know where you where you are. I have my own obligations in your lands now because of what happened rescuing you, and we need to sort out what's happening. I understand. I. I spent the first few days in a haze of activity, just keeping up with it. I didn't sleep for the first two nights. The third day I dropped. It all became real, not just a problem to be solved, but what's happened? A year and a half, it 
it's like it's like waking up and finding your entire life has just disappeared overnight. I and he gets up and he will start sort of pacing around the room a bit. Jumandi is gone. Patriot is gone. My the Grand Council of the Vanling Post consists of Garnek Bonepicker, who is still endeavouring to rally us against the inevitable war with the centaurs. He says they'll just be waiting until we look weak. He's worried about us a lot he's worried about them allying with you, sending your armies to crush us. And the closest thing I have to a friend left to talk to, to talk to about this is a man called Crazy Ernie. <laughs> Oh, he seemed, he's a good fellow and um, I had a good time wrestling his bear but he doesn't exactly seem like much of a comrade he has done uh, an extraordinarily an extraordinary surprising amount for, for my kingdom and well he is never the sort of man I would have picked a friendship with somehow over the years it has developed but what you need is the friends that you brought down with you the friends that are gone I miss Casper Morgan in most of all. We never had the chance to meet him. He was a priest of Aurora, disciplined man, damn good friend. Zimmet put an arrow in him. She was a little bit crazier than most centaurs are. I think she she had gone off the rails in some crucial ways. The war with the centaurs has cost us heavily. The Vanlin host is not a quarter as developed as Stagthorn. And then this business with Mordecai. I failed to protect my people when they needed me. I can see why you feel that way, but I don't think it's fair. Mordecai... We survived because we had warning of what had happened to you. If he'd done what he did to... Th- and... Your, as you say, your kingdom's smaller. If he'd done... If he'd cropped up when we, when we just had... Uh, when we just had the one town, he could have swept it, it, it me and mine away. I think a few of us would have... Possibly not me, would have... Resisted the effect, but they'd probably have fared no better. It was the misfortune that you were allotted the land allotted the land that had his two minutes if it had been me down there it could just as well have been me I wonder if it would have been half so successful I wonder if I would have been half so successful coming to rescue you checking batteries you have different strengths maybe the mine were what was needed for this, but I couldn't have rallied the people the way you did, uh, organising them on the way out. Used the training that I didn't have growing up. Experience. We we cannot deal in what was not and what we'd like to be. That I could not have taken Vordekai, that his power was beyond me, that this foe was simply too strong is ultimately irrelevant it happened 
now it is a question of where we move to from here. I am I'm worried for my people about what will happen when the next threat emerges. And my experience has been that there is always a next threat somewhere. I there's no denying that the the land is in a precarious state. It is not my fault what happened to the Violent Host, but it is my responsibility. Aye, I can see that. And it is for that that I have come to speak with you. I have come to offer offer you the host. Oh. And he sits down again. To annex it as a vassal state of Stagthorn. I see. That's quite the offer. It can't have been an easy one to make. I've been thinking about this long and hard and little else for the last week. I believe it is in the best interests of everyone involved. Barhold is simply not strong enough to stand on its own anymore. And we have a great deal to offer Stagdorn, of course. Of course. And I confess it's it's I had already thought that the your people are vulnerable right now. But what would that mean for you? For me personally or for my kingdom? For you personally. What would you what would you do? What would you want to do? And he will start basically laying out for you the um, the actual nitty gritty of how a satrapy, a vassal state, works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is effectively um, he turns control of Varnhold and all the hexes he's claimed over to Stagthorn, yeah. who then gain the you know points, responsibilities, consumption there therein. Yeah. Um, uh, you get a new position on your council as you have taken your first satrapy called Viceroy. Ah. Uh, where you have a councillor who is effectively, um, well, you know, you know what a Viceroy is. It's yeah. a councillor who is the leader of that region. Yeah. Um, they are responsible for that as opposed to your general that's responsible for wars or your magistrate's responsible for learning or that sort of thing. So ultimately they wear a bit of e- they wear a bit of every hat answer to you and your council and utilise your kingdom's resources you know, their wars are your wars and vice versa um, the specifics of you know, integrating their laws with yours and all that sort of thing are um, a matter of nitty gritty and also not particularly difficult because yep. Arnold effectively runs on very much the same system as Stagthorn does Stagthorn just has a bunch of um, specialist case laws like um, that Varnhold may not have but so as to as to what um, Van would do personally, obviously he's um, uh, vaguely lining up for the viceroy position. Uh, oh, absolutely! If that's and, uh, what I was endeavouring to find out in a diplomatic manner, which yes. is probably where the problem lies, given it's not Kaelin's strength, is whether he wanted to stick around and be viceroy, given it's kind of a demotion for him. He has no intention of um, leaving. He, he's, 
I have no intention. I have no intention of just leaving my people. I can still, I can still serve them, aid them. Whether as viceroy, the mayor of the town, general of your armies, I can think of a thousand suitable occupations. I, but I, I have lost too many friends to this. The burden of rule is wearing on me and slowing me. I frankly would be glad to turn it over to you. I have a much better understanding now of why Tristan did what he did, what he saw in you. I don't think it hasn't occurred to me that you couldn't have swept my lands by force with no one there to defend them. There would be nothing to stop you claiming, claiming mile after mile after mile of farmland. We could have returned to find nothing, and instead we've returned to find that our neighbouring king, my brother, has shown himself to be a man of fine, upstanding moral character, of good judgement and of a warrior's strength. They need you. They need me too, but not as badly as they need you. I'd be very glad to work with you more closely. I'd I'd be honoured. I did my best to preserve it for you all this time, but I could see as time wore on that it, there's no remedy for time. There's no substitute for a land having a people on it. It doesn't seem fair to me. You've had greater misfortunes. But we have to deal with the world as it is. Life is not fair. We do not all receive we do not all receive things allotted owing to our input into owing to our input into life. It's simply random chance. I was left with a kingdom that faced misfortune after misfortune but has failed to grow. In another world, in another time you could have been you could have been born in my place, you could have been given Barnhol, you could have been one of you you could have been father's human son rather than his half orc son. Chance does not make things fair. I <sighs> All right. Let's talk this over some more. Look at how it's going to work. I'd be very glad to have you on my council. And while I think there's any number of roles you could um, serve there, I think at least I, I would be very glad to have you as Viceroy. I think that would be very comforting for the people of the host. I assume you'll need to have independent discussions with, with, the, with the centaurs. Aye, but I'm happily to include you as part of that. It's... You and they need to get to know each other. You and they and your people need to get to know each other better to understand them in the way you weren't given the opportunity. They were very tricky and happy when I first met them and I had the benefit of meeting them after Zemek had been taken off the field. I think it would probably be best if you spoke with this Akora Silver Fire first and independently. No doubt we'll have conflicts and negotiations later, but for now... One of the reasons I'm interested in having you annex the host is that 
in the absence of this, I foresee a, I foresee a war breaking out again. Maybe not this, maybe not now, and maybe not next year. But sooner or later, tensions with the centaurs will rise to that point again. Aye. If we are all one people, I cannot say it will be easy, but that is the burden of rule. Aye, and the centaurs have their own difficult transition to make. With Mordecai gone, that purpose is, is lost. They will have to figure out what they're going to do as a people. I believe I can help them with that. I believe we can. Then let us see what we will see. Big manly attitude. Listen, I've got a castle now. Do you want to come down to the training? Do you want to come? We've got. I, I made sure they had a good big exercise yard. Do you want to come down to the training room to work out? One of these days I have to get past your guard. That sounds excellent. I had always wanted to build one of these. <laughs> do you know how many build points it costs? Yeah. Yes, yes I do. Okay. And yes, you will go down to the training yards and fight him again just yep. as you did at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, this time, however, you will beat him. Yeah. If he comes stronger than Van Thorn. Yeah. have literally outleveled him. Yeah. But, you know, I see Vaughn as the kind of guy who takes that as an yeah, opportunity. He, he, he doesn't blink at it. Yeah, yeah. He, he will, you know, get beaten. Congratulations, you've become far stronger. Well done. Okay, and um, at that point, before going on, I will sit down with the council and, you know, discuss this with them. Yeah. Um, like, this is one of those, I'm interested in your opinions, and then we're going to evacuate annex fun health conversations, yeah. but I don't imagine anyone has any No, objection. the thing is, pretty much everyone um, thinks this is all good. Um, yeah. Michaela will warn you there are obvious tensions um, with with the centaurs. Yeah. Um, but everyone in your council is on board of literally, you know, the more land Stagthorn has, the more power it has, the more money it has, it's pretty much all to, all to the win. Um, if you take control of too much too fast, you might end up shooting yourself in the foot vis-a-vis your kingdom stats and things. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, it's worth keeping in mind that Van Hold already has an existing infrastructure. It's not just an empty hex. Yeah, yeah. It's essentially the same thing as taking over Biscuit's village, just on a large scale. Yeah. Yes, the, um, depending on how the mechanics work, it may give the kingdom a bit of an immediate crisis because yep. my consumption numbers are already through the roof, but then they do have quite a lot of farms on there, so yep. that'll help. But um, I'll worry about the mechanics uh, as we come up to that for yep. practical purposes. But it may, It's the only thing that makes any sense because otherwise we're going to have to be sending our armies in to defend them because somebody's going to try and poach them. Generally speaking, everyone is in favour of this. Uh, Chief Sootscale and... Uh, Veskit are strongly in favour of it. Uh, as is Svetlana, she is the person who has spent the most time outside of you with the centaurs. She has done several weeks out there doing her diplomacy at this point. Yeah. And Tristan, of course, is wildly pro-centaur, but that doesn't really surprise you. Yeah. In any case, the, the, what we do with Varnhold is separate to what we arrange with the centaurs at this stage, but it does mean we get to be the ones to make a deal with centaurs directly as opposed to trying to influence um, Varn's negotiations. Michaela, on the other hand, is savvy enough to warn you that you may think it's that simple. Yeah. But that's not necessarily true. Um... Her suspicion is that the centaurs are looking for something 
very much the same thing. They don't have the concept of... They don't necessarily have the civilised concept of annexing and satrapies and that sort of thing. Um, But she says, ultimately, you will... Ultimately, you will be giving some... You will be giving someone the decision of... You'll be giving someone the decision of what happens with the land of the Norman Heights. Uh, I.e., there's only one viceroy physician. Ah... So I can't have I, I can't have a vice I can't have a viceroy and a I, I can't have two viceroys for two areas because they're not two areas. They're not two areas. They're on uh, the same land. Okay. Because otherwise, you're you're literally going to have problems where Akora and Van both rule their own bits, and Akora says, "Okay, I'm going to claim this hex," and Van says, "Yeah, I'm going to claim that hex too." Right. Right. Now we have a problem. Yeah. You know, let's go and have a nice war over it. Okay. All right. So we will need to work out a solution for that. Yeah, so that will be the that will be a um, a major bone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright. That that's her assumption of what the centaurs are looking at with yeah. the alliance. Yeah, no, I can see that as being a problem. Do so. you want the centaurs in a core silver Yes, but I'm grateful for Michaela's warning about that. Okay. So uh, you actually ride out to see them yeah, on absolutely. their tribal lands. Um where the centaurs look uh, a great deal more relaxed for the first time since you've seen them. Yeah. Um, they're still reasonably militaristic. Yeah. But you are welcomed in with pretty much open arms at this point. Yeah. Um, taken in, Akora Silverfire is waiting for you. Um, Deneen is there. Zamath, you will see if you go, you can find if you go looking for her. She's effectively over in the corner digging latrines, kind of Yeah, thing. Like, I think that's appropriate. Um, and grumping about it. Yeah, I'm sure she is. But the, um, Kaelin will probably routinely in the, um, visiting the Centaur village at this point, check that Zamath, visiting the Centaur tribe at this point, check that Zamath is actually there and not run off to cause trouble somewhere. Um, and you are in a tent with a chorus silver fire and Denied Thunderhoof. Yes. And Akora, you know, gives you the, the vague centaur bow that they do. She sort of bends slightly at the waist. Yeah, and Kaelin uh, returns it. And she says, "Your Majesty, thank you for coming to thank you for coming to see us. Have you sorted out <laughs> several of your more pressing crises?" Aye, Van holds under control for the moment, and um. Everyone seems more rather like this than Stagthorn. People are happy. The um, feeling that we're going to be attacked by another army of zombie cyclopses at any moment is significantly diminished. We have any number of messes to sort out. Mordecai's certainly left the place in a bit of an uproar, but we have time now. It's no small thing. Good. I want to speak with you both personally and leader to leader on what happens next. And Kaelin will sit back. I'm at your disposal. First of all, personal. You've proven yourself to be... She she stops, almost winces slightly at what she's saying. A great warrior. And she says, you've proven yourself to be a great centaur... warrior of the centaur tribes. Huh? You have slain our ancient. You have slain our ancient enemy. Done what none of us could. You have changed our fate this day, to be sure. And you saved my daughter. I don't think there will ever be thanks enough for that. 
I have a few personal tokens tokens of appreciation here. Uh, and she will come out with some loot for you. Oh, <laughs> Caitlin is slightly embarrassed. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> if you want your loot pile. Yep. Uh, she will give you... She says, I, I, think you are, I think you are the sort of king who is doubtlessly going to charge recklessly into danger again. These may help you. Uh, six potions of cure moderate, six potions of lesser restoration. Oh, sweet. And I spoke briefly to you earlier of some of the old relics that had been left for our tribe for a champion to face Mordecai with. They had been kept in a lockbox for some time. The oral traditions as passed down to me indicated a possibility and I cannot say if this is fact or simply simply rumour at this point that Vordekai would become aware when a champion chose arms against him and opened the box but he is gone now and if I am to understand your Tristan correctly there is no chance of him coming back again we no longer have need of these but I can see many battles ahead in your future like to give them to you as uh, weapons, to, weapons, tokens, magic to be used by you, or or given or given to your pe- given to your people as you see fit. And she gives you more loot. It is what's a man had. Yep. Um, she knows exactly what these are, so she will just tell you. Uh, one of them is a plus one magical beast bane flail. Cool. Um, and the second one of which is a ring of freedom of movement. Ooh! Which, among other things, rends you completely immune to paralysis and having to swim underwater. Ooh, that's so shiny. Yeah. It is worth a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I believe its sell price is 40,000 gold. Wow! I don't know that off the top of my head precisely, but it's somewhere around there. Yeah. <laughs> That is what she presents to you. Believe me, you've earned it. I... Thank you, I... What your people have done, helping me... Helping me stop Vordekai and save Vaan, I... I would like to give you something. And, um, Kaelin will offer her his... Uh, and it seems only fitting. And, um, Kaelin will offer her his flail. Which is the plus one on dead bane one. The plus one on dead bane one. I was thinking of calling it Vordekai's bane, and it strikes me that you could use a new ancestral weapon. Yeah, and you tell her, you know, yeah. it has great magic against the undead, and yeah. that sort of thing. Um... She will pass it to... She doesn't look particularly wieldy with it. She passes it to Denis, who backs up several paces and... Well made. Strong. And the Bane of the Dead. Yes, this could certainly come in handy. I like it. Yeah, let's walk up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
I don't know if you returned Skybolt to him. Oh, uh, yeah. I gave Skybolt back to Zamath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will check at some point that um, that Zamath actually gave it back. Uh, yes, to... neither of them are carrying it. It is on display in the tent here yeah. because it is their um, their, their big. It, it, this is effectively their throne room, but it's yeah. just a tent. Um, and yes, Skybolt is indeed hanging prominently from the wall in a position of um, significance again. Yeah. Um, that is that is my personal thanks. Then we come to speaking leader to leader about what happens next. I I am very tired of I am very tired of war, and our people find ourselves without purpose. I fear that without intervention, we will find ourselves turning on Barnhold again, or they'll turn on us. Is the need either I, way? I'm very concerned about that outcome. Um, and I think it's well worth looking at how we can prevent it and what would be best. We wish to enfold the centaurs in a formal alliance with Stagthorn. It has taken some time, but I believe that we have seen enough to know that you will treat us fairly and with respect. We will, of course, we will of course continue to live in our ancestral lands here in the Heights, but we are actual. We are, we are available to your kingdom to serve as needed. And um, we'd be very lucky to have you. Um, I... The complica- the potential complication, as it were, Vanhold has uh, looked at its options and determined it is unlikely at this time to survive alone. She nods, not compellingly surprised by this. They also wish to become part of Stagthorn. The problem is how to organise the ruling of these lands in a way that will represent both parties. Then Vanhold and the Norman Centaurs would be united as one people. That will be extremely strange. It's going to take some getting used to, I'm thinking. And it's important to me that we find a way to make certain both sides have some representation in it. I do not know how things are done in your stag in I do not know how things are done in your in your Brevoyan system. Here when a warband is deployed far from home, a leader is put in charge of it to make decisions about its disposition in service to the greater goals of the herd, but with some considerable discretion about what to do. Uh, you have a, do you have a position similar to this band, of course, being the Viceroy? Uh, aye, we have a, a similar concept. That is indeed the problem, is how to... Um, is um oh, I had initially thought Van could take that post for the Vangling host, I guess with the idea that you could take it for the centaurs, but it would seem that the land requires a single a single ruler, as it were. Yes. Yes, I can see that. And She's not heavily a politician by nature, but yeah. she she thinks about this. Of course. Vine and I would come to clash over any number of matters, small to large. But it does 
bring up the problem that either one of you in that post would present a challenge for the other's people. Perhaps whichever of us is not in the post could serve Stagthorn elsewhere. That was something that I had thought about, yes. And we can go vaguely to meta on this if you desire. Yeah. So basically, um, the Viceroy position, the limitation on it is that the people you're picking, anyone available for that position, it is not a requirement, but it is generally a good idea because it be completely a meta requirement. It's generally a good idea that the Viceroy be an actual native of the land that you are um, annexing. Yeah, yeah, unsurprisingly. Like, theoretically, you could just say, okay, fuck it, Corwin's in charge of you guys. Yeah. But everyone would be unhappy with that. Yeah. Um, Whether you... Obviously, Akora and Vaan are pretty much your two strong contenders for this. You can actually float someone else if you desperately desire. No, 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 I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Um... Whichever one you pick, you know, the other people, both both sides are going to be unhappy and have tensions about this pretty much no matter what you do. Yeah. Um, But keep in mind, you're not um, directly saying to her, okay, Akora, you're now completely in charge of Vanthold and can do whatever the hell you like with it with no supervision. Feel free to go cook and eat the people. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically you're the head in charge of them, but Varnhold would still actually have a mayor making lo- more local decisions and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. So um... oh, the problem is just the um, so either one of them could serve that post well. Yes. The problem is what I do with the other one. Yes. Indeed, and um, you can talk this through. I think we're probably moving out of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can talk this through at length. You bring Van in to speak with the centaurs. You talk this through at length. Yeah. Um, so, yep. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Neither of them is thrilled with the other one getting the position. Both of them have serious concerns about that. Yeah. Um, both of them will take it, however, because both of them are prepared to essentially defer to your wisdom about this. They're actually. Both kind of diplomats. They are both reasonably civilized when they actually have these negotiations. And regardless of which one you put in as viceroy, they're going to come to an agreement of basically, you know, our people can now intermingle with each other, but this is the line of bits that are Norman Centauri, this bit is Barnhold, etc., etc. Yeah. So um, I think the um, the initial question before the hideous counselor juggling begins yep. is um, what posts could either of them hold if I put the other one in as viceroy and was trying to find them a position on the council? Oh, fucking anything at this point. <laughs> um, Unless you want to do it like Veskit, what positions could they not hold? <laughs> Because I'm thinking a Cora probably isn't such a wouldn't be a good good posting for the more martial positions. I mean, she does lead the centaurs, though. Yeah, is the thing you know who have armies. Yeah, so she has experience doing this. Um, she wouldn't definitely wouldn't be a general in the sense of taking the battlefields personally. Yeah, but there, there's no actual requirement for that to be the case. All right. Um, I, I'm literally going to give you the answer of every position for both of them. Okay. 
Um, both of them are quite capable of doing any of those things. Okay. Um, Van can... She is obviously a priestess of Mother Moon, and yeah. Van considers himself a highly religious man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Alright. So both of them are actually potentially up for high priest as well. Alright. So, um, is there any position they're particularly attached to as a counsellor position? Uh, may I suggest, yeah. um, before you go bananas doing this, yeah. that there will be other scenes going on in your in your settings that may affect your counsellor positions as well. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, so... So you begin a series of lengthy and complex negotiations. Yeah. Uh, are we assuming at this point that you are vaguely saying yes to both of them? Yeah. In the sense of, you know, you definitely want to annex both of their people. Uh, uh, I'm saying at this point that Stagthorn wishes to annex the Vanling Heights and find a place for the centaurs and the people of the Vanling host, yeah. a, a, and a place for both Van Thorn and a core of Silverfire and helping me administer this, yep. but that Kaelin doesn't know how it's going to work out on a more practical level. Nor do either of them, really. Yeah. They both pretty much say you will have to just work this out as we go. Yeah, and basically, in the short term, the plan is, you know... You two consider, continue to rule your existing peoples, and my army will come in and beat the holy living snot out of anyone who tries anything with either of you, and we'll come up with a more formal structure than that yeah. in future months. Um, so there is the end of this um, scene you have with Akora, basically, yeah. is you come to an agreement with her of, there's lots more work to be done, but speculatively I agree to this. Yeah. And she says, then stay the, then stay the evening with us. And we we will have a, we and we will have a ritual. It has been a long time since we have joined with another herd. Since since our herd has joined with another, and they will indeed have a lengthy religious ritual over the course of the night, where she prays to the moon to shine bright, equally brightly over both your herds. Cool. Um, that the two of you will intermingle and become one together. Um, and one thing she does do is um, she comes to you for part of the ritual and she says to you I understand that two leagues I understand that two leagues may find this part of the merging of herds distasteful but you are an orc so perhaps not and she takes her forearm and she slices a thin strip off it um, and then obviously you know yeah. letting you do it yeah. um, does the same thing to you she switches them and she says she says now we now we are of the same herd, a part of each other, and she eats the strip of flesh off your arm. Okay, and Kaelin does likewise. Yep. Uh, you had actually heard the centaurs were cannibals, ah, and yep. there is a reason for that. Right. Because they do actually eat human flesh as a part of their religious rituals, but in a very, you know... You definitely wouldn't call it cannibalism. That's no. more of a born of ignorance rather than fact. But yeah. there is fact behind it. So. That, that does make a certain kind of sense. Yeah, that is actually um, that's a that, that Kaelin finds that uncomfortable. Uh, it, it's not. Whereas, like the shedding blood and I'm sure he does. He he just takes it, of course. Are you going to do it? Oh, hell, hell, but yeah. he, he he not only does it, he does it without yeah, noticeable pause yeah. or sign of distaste. He is. Um, more than sufficiently hardcore to cope with that. Okay. So, negotiations will continue to go on there. Yep. While you um, deal with several other bits of business. And um, Kaelin will, at some point, which is appropriate, make a speech about that he is honoured to be part of the Central Tribe and that he is 
very grateful and happy to consider the centaur as part of Stagthorn. Yep. They think they'll bring a lot to the table. Okay. So, we can uh, close there, we can go back to the other scenes and do more. Yep. That's what you want to do. Um, so, uh, oh, in terms of keeping going? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to keep going a little okay. further. So, um, you... I'll do the little easier one first. Uh, at this point, you are due a couple more relationship points. Okay. <laughs> Good lord. Um, having agreed to this, the specifics of how you do it are largely irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but effectively... Um, Man, this is certainly the everything hits at once um, uh, season concluder. The thing simply is, the way you've done it is you happen to have allied with the centaurs at exactly the same time you have allied with Varn. There was no reason for that to be the case, however. Yes, You've had four months in which you haven't picked up the last couple of points with the centaurs that you could have at any point. Yeah. Because um, you could actually ally with them completely separately and independently of... Um, yeah, and of course it's kind of... Um, and this month I also al- happen to ally with the lizard folk, so it's kind of an in- all about stag uh, month. So, the one you get here... Uh, right, Tristan's one is about saving Varn rather than allying with him. Yeah. And it's about getting to a certain trust level of the centaurs rather than necessarily allying with them, so you've already gone yeah, and got to those. Yep. Yeah. Um, Michaela's two, however, uh, yep. annex Vanhold and make the centaurs a part of the kingdom of Stagthorn. Right, so I pick up two, two relationship points with Michaela. Uh, you have, in fact, picked up all three of hers over the course of this session. Sweet. It's those two and full Episco demon with cutting rather than swords. Cool. And she will, you know, sort of say to you as you go, because she'll be involved in these conflicts negotiations, she will sort of say to you, I'm, I'm impressed by how I'm impressed by how you were doing with this. We should talk, you and I, at some point. <laughs> yep. Is she better than Bren now? Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You're also, you're also about to level, so... Yeah, yeah. There's going to be a dead noise. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of looking... My um, relationship with Tristram is now two points lower than with Corwin, and I'm not super happy about that either. <laughs> It's just that I keep not doing things that Tristram approves of. Uh, you have all three of his for this one. Right, yeah, but... Uh, earn the Centaur Trust, save Van Thorn, and take the Queen of Forgotten Times aid. Yes. Yes, but I had a, 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 a remarkable deficit in book two to catch up on. Yes, that's your relationship points done. Also, I spent a significant about um, book two jamming up my relationship with Michaela and then jamming up my relationship with Bryn. Uh, then we have um, your scene with Michaela. Yep. Your 20-point scene with Michaela. Scene with Eldest Thorn. Uh, scene with the Order of the Silver Twilight and what happens to Mordecai's tomb. Yep. And the information on the Oculus of Azathoth. Alright, well, I would like to do the scene with Michaela, yep. and then uh, let's just see how long, how large and long these things actually are. Yep, no problem. Yeah. Keep in mind, you can deal with these and you pretty much pick as a meta concept as a player, because yep. they're all happening generically over two or three weeks. Yeah. And the specific order is not going to matter all that much. Yeah. Okay, so you are back in Stagthorn going about your usual kingdom business, looking at the mounds of paperwork. Corn's presenting you with a big bunch of economic paperwork that says, you know, if we take on Vanhold, here's the revenues, here's yeah. the costs, here's the grain intake. Yeah. Oh god, so much paperwork. Yeah. 
Because you think it's bad reading it. I have to write it all. Yeah, Kellen has actually become significantly more fluent in his reading over the last couple of years because he's had to, but he still doesn't like big piles of paper. Um, And at some point, you have several council meetings over this time to discuss the latest uh, wrinkle in the ongoing negotiations with um, the centaurs in farm. Yeah. And Michaela will come up to you after one of them and say, you know, I think this, I think this is working well. I'll see you. I'll see you another day. Sort of shakes your hand lightly and palms a piece of paper off to you. Kaylin will go around a corner and um, look at it somewhere in private because she yep. clearly had a secret message thing. Yep, it is written in Orkish. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, Kaylin looks distinctly worried because this is how Michaela passes. You know, I think one of our councillors is a traitor style messages. And- and it says, "I must, I must speak with you. Um, come to my, come to my house at midnight tonight, alone. Underlined. Tell no one. Underlined three times. Yep. Okay. And um, Caleb will um, do exactly that. Um, and um, he." Yes, Kaelin will do exactly that. Yep. Okay, and you go to her house at midnight, fairly quietly, um, without telling Bruno where you're going. Yep. Um, so are you going to endeavour to sneak out of bed with her? Um Collude no. some business so you never go to bed with her? In the first uh, place? I'm, I'm going to um, tell Bruno I'm... Um, going to see a friend and I'll be I'm going to um, I'm going to go down to the tavern and have some drinks and I'll be out late I'll come in when I've finished she will accept that at face value I will then go to the tavern and have some drinks yep <laughs> oh sophistry Michaela would be so proud <laughs> I didn't lie to you yeah um, and you go to Michaela's house it is very dim that's it that's what I want to ask she didn't come and live in the castle she stayed she kept her own house Oh, um, I can't remember to be honest. I um, thought she, I thought she came and lived in the castle. Yes, I think you're right. Um, but it's, uh, it, it kind of seems like her to have kept a house anyway. Yeah, actually, that makes well. She has kept her old house, so yeah. this will be comfortable in my old house. Because you know, it, like I didn't look at what was in them, but she had secret passages and that yeah. thing. It's probably going to be awkward, so she could hide her shit. It's probably going to be awkward to have them built in the castle. Um, when you come to her house, there is a thin flicker of light behind the curtains. Indicating that there is the room is very dimly lit, maybe with a lantern or a, a cup, two or three candles or something in that neighbourhood. When you go to the door, it is not only it is usually heavily locked. At this point, it is actually ajar. Okay, um, Kaelin is incidentally um, wearing only his leather armour, so he can be relatively quiet. Yeah. Um, and he is carrying weapons. Yeah, yeah. Just on general principles. Yeah. So. If she didn't want you to carry weapons, believe me, she knows well enough to tell you yeah. not bring them. And um, Kellen will edge open the door in a very quiet and cautious manner and sort of knock very gently on it. The doorway is open. And at that point he will just come in. You come in 
and Michaela is sitting cross-legged into the, in the middle of the room. All the furniture has been pushed back. Um, and there are a string of what look like veils dangling down from the ceiling. Um, she has bought out several pots and that sort of thing and basically made a basic fire pit in the middle of the lounge room um, and has all the veils dangling over them they're yay high above the flames a few inches away from the smoldering um, and the entire room she has painted on all the walls in what looks like some like fairly basic paint a huge variety of different holy symbols um, all of which um, you have seen before they are the eight or nine that are on her charm bracelets yeah hmm? Um, and she looks up at you as you come in um, is sitting there um, for the you you have seen her plenty of times in her fine dress as opposed to her spiked black full plate and gigantic tower shield Um, however you will notice a few things here the tower shield is not in the room period. It is the first time you have not seen her with it at anything but the fanciest of balls where it would be massively out of place. She brings yeah. it to the council meetings and that. Yeah. Even when she's not wearing the armour, she carries the shield with her and you know why. Of yes. Um, it means a lot to her and it is not here. Um, moreover, she is not sitting in a fancy noble dress or anything. Um, she is sitting in what you would define as a simple peasant dress. Uh, can you give me um, knowledge geography? Uh, yes, I can. Uh, that would be an 18. Okay. Uh, you recognise very accurately uh, the style of dress as being from Arisen. Um, not only from Arisen, but from around the sort of region where you know from your previous conversations and your vision with her that she came from originally. This is her as she would be completely unguarded, I guess. The, the, this is the this is kind of the real Michaela, not, Mar- the, not not Michaela Morag, but the This is the real act- Michaela, not Lady not Lady Michaela Morag of the fictitious House of Morag. Yeah. Not certain I know Michaela's actual surname. I don't, did she ever... Uh, she told you that Mirage was a fictitious surname. But yeah. No, she has not no, given told you her, her, her original surname. But yeah. this is Michaela whatever, not Michaela Mirage. Yeah. Is she wearing a veil? Uh, yes, she is. It is the only thing um, that still looks similar about her. She is yeah. wearing the same, not only a veil, but the same one that she always does. Yeah. And her hairstyle... Covering the ears, covering much of her face, all looks exactly the same. But the, the, still, this is a ver- this is a much mo- this is a much more Michaelery Michaela than I, the one I'm accustomed to. Correct. And as you as you come in, um, she just she just as you, Caitlin, thank you for coming. Close the door, lock it, and bolt it behind you. Caitlin will just do this. Then come and sit with me if you would. Yeah, well, close the door, lock it, bolt it, come and sit down. And she smiles a little more at this. The um, 
heavy ritualistic nature of what she's doing seems somewhat lightened at this point now that you've taken the first steps into it. So I take it this isn't about something you found out about one of the counsellors. I'm relieved. <laughs> no, no. I wanted to speak to you about some personal matters. And Kaylin will give her a big smile. By all means. You this have quite the setup. <laughs> all of it serves its purpose, but we'll discuss that in time. You have... I'm sure it hasn't escaped your notice that I am a woman who keeps her secrets. <laughs> Might have just even your notice must have picked up on that. <laughs> she smirks at you, and I um, smirk back. I um, hasn't entirely escaped my attention that there are certain things that I don't know about you that I might commonly expect to know about someone after this many years of friendship. And I, I rather assumed that you were doing that on purpose. I am private by nature, but yes, there is a purpose. I am also private by, by by command of the, and she picks her words very carefully here. The entity whom I serve. Ah. There is a ritual among the religiously inclined, among the religiously inclined of those of us and again it's yeah. weird stumbling word choices to avoid giving you any hint of god goddess or anything yeah. actually useful it is called the ritual of unveiling I see in every lifetime if there is someone that we someone that we trust enough to reveal our secrets to. We may choose to do this. Oh. And I believe you and I that time has come. I'd be honoured. The ritual is a matter of. She chokes on the words slightly. Honesty. Unveiling. Metaphorically, or perhaps physically. I will give you the opportunity to ask me any three questions you please. And I will answer each of them completely, honestly and truthfully to the best of my ability and I will do the same to you that's fine with me if it's fine with you and she closes her eyes slightly and assumes more of a bearing it's more ritualistic once again questions three asked and answered complete and honest speak no lies here Thrice will I ask thee, and then no more. Do you trust me? I do. Do you trust me? I do. Do you trust me? Always. And she unclips one side of the veil, and it hangs 
slightly from the side of her mouth. Uh, nothing remarkable happens, but it's actually partially transparent anyway. You can yeah. see she hasn't got giant fangs or hideous yeah. distortions or Phantom of the Opera face or anything like that. Nothing remarkable happens as a result of this. She merely unclips it and it hangs slightly here. And uh, then we will drop out of this into... Oh, sorry, there, there was one more element to this. Uh, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Then ask and answer, and we will learn and share something of each other. So, you get the um, the meta-wise for this. Yeah. Uh, you can ask the Kayla and the GM any three questions, um, which you will get complete and honest honest and unambiguous answers to. Whoa. There's no dicking around with this. Uh, you are completely welcome to ask uh, completely meta questions like what her class levels are and all that sort of thing because she will be able to answer them for you in such don't don't strain yourself trying to presumably the question Kaylin gives is you know how did you come by your bizarre esoteric training yeah and she says well I've got one level of blah and points in this yeah um and um at the end of this the ritual apparently involves sharing something of yourself with each other i.e. some sort of bonus ability that you will garner as a benefit of this. Um, so essentially, you have three questions to ask Michaela, um, and, and, and or the GM. Uh, she has three questions to ask you. Um, she hasn't given you any consequences, per se, to lying to her, but you can feel there is thick magic in the air. Here. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, you, if you elect to... But essentially, if you as the player are electing to waffle, evade, be ambiguous, or generally dick around with your answers, you're obliged to tell the GM. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Um, and you have three questions to ask of her. Now, given the, um, given the time and where we are, I'm actually perfectly happy to suspend this here if you want to actually go and ponder this. Um, no, I, um, I, I think... Kaelin's been waiting to ask Kaela questions for a long time. I think I know what he wants to know. I, I, I am ha- actually happy to roll forward with it. Okay. I actually want to um, ask the player a bit of this, because I've, I've had slight trouble doing this as the GM. Obviously, she has lots of interesting things to tell you. Yeah. Um, I have struggled to come up with three questions that she would ask you that she doesn't already know the answers to. Yeah, I have to admit, I think... Um, the things Kayla... Because, uh, I, have, I have one of them. Yeah. Because Michaela, um, Ke- because Michaela has been, been, went to Kaylin and we were with Kaylin, she knows the things that he... Like, A, he's changed a bit, but she knows the things that he customarily kept from everyone. The, um, those are kind of his big... And she knows about Eldest Thorn, and those are kind of Kaylin's biggest secrets. Kaylin's not that complicated a guy. Let me um, make a, um, a little note about what I so note down what I Okay, I have I have three. Cool. I have uh, based on what you have just said to me, I have um, a, a couple of decent questions for you. Um, but. You know, it's more about you finding out Michaela than her finding out about you. Yeah. Um, and... and you are welcome to 
literally ask the GM, you know, is this question too broad or too specific? Very yeah. much like your commute style questions. Yeah. You ask Michaela this and I'll just interrupt you and go, no, you know, yeah. that's actually eight questions. Yeah. But go nuts. This is about being a ritual of trust. Yeah. It's not actually a lot of... There's not meant to be a lot of heavy nitpicking involved in it. Yeah. And I think, on the whole, the way I want to do this is trade one question for one question. That seems the um, brightest way of doing it. Yeah. If that suits you. Yep, that's fine. You don't feel that's going to interrupt your flow too much? No. No, I don't think so. Um, All right. I'm, I, I've got... Wow, you've been thinking about... I thought you might need to think about this. No. You've been thinking about this for a while, haven't you? Yeah, I have been thinking about this All for right. a while. So, questions asked and answered, complete and honest. Speak no lies here. I sit... Un, I sit unveiled before you. Ask what you will. Which deity do you worship? Yeah, I thought that would be on there. She thinks about this for a moment, um, less because she's thinking about how to lie to you and more because she's obliged and also wants to, because it's a ritual that she's doing because she wants to, to answer this as fully and completely as she can. Um... It is a complex question. The name you would most commonly know her by is is Savannah. I was right. <laughs> That's not in character. <laughs> but I, I read the thing about the veils, and I was like, "That's good." Yeah. Veils, deity of secrets. That's it's got to be Michaela's deity. And I sent you at the time. I bet it's Savannah. She is the goddess of illusions, mysteries, and the unseen. I wonder, do you just want to pass me the curse folder? Uh, that's the point. Big fat folder. Uh, yep, here it is. Because that's got the um, last little write up I did of Savannah in it. And I haven't um, necessarily got it directly in front of me. Because you're actually going to get a fairly detailed answer here. It's not just going to be, yeah. oh, it's it's Aristotle. Yeah. You know, and we're done. Move along. Um, the name you would know her by is Savannah. She answers to the title of the Seventh Veil. She is the goddess of illusions and mystery. Not well known in the River Kings at all, or really in many places on Galarian. Her followers do not advertise. We are, in fact, bound by our nature. To reveal the secrets behind the mystery destroys the mystery. You see, the more we speak of the, the more we speak of her name. In much the same way, if you were a cleric of Aristotle, you would be bound to uphold the laws of your community, respect respect the oaths of marriage you have taken, that sort of thing. Or you would lose the very you would lose the very divinity that Aristotle channeled through you. We too are bound by the same rules. If we speak too openly of who and what we are, our powers depart us. I I see. So it's not just personal inclination. You um, actually 
need to keep it to yourself? I think it is both. It is an aspect of both training to us for the mysteries that we will face in life, and a matter of perverse entertainment for her. <laughs> we are obliged to conceal and hide what we will of ourselves, which can sometimes have terrible consequences, as you have seen. My mother was also a priestess of Savannah. She would not tell the villagers where her power came from, what she was. This is... I was... Born, I was born into it, unto my mother, born into, born into the power. Not that I would not have chosen it anyway. I cannot resist a mystery to look at that which lies beyond the veils of what is clearly presented, to see what people are hiding. It is by both my birth and my inclination... She is my goddess. Uh, she, it is her power that grants me. It is her power that grants me the ability to control the undead. For depending on what nature the clerics are born to, they can spend. They can. They can turn them with the powers of life, or control them with the powers of death. Uh, Savannah is a true neutral goddess. So you can. Yes. So, as long as Michaela is not evilly aligned um, or good aligned, uh, as a cleric of a neutral deity, she gets the choice. Yeah. As long as she is also neutrally aligned on the good evil axis. That's interesting. So she, well, it, Michaela says that she was born this way. Yeah. Um, which has to be a true and honest answer. Meta wise, as a neutral cleric of a neutral deity, she picks whether she yes, spontaneously yes. rebukes or spontaneously turns. But she has to be neutral to make that cho- she, she has, has to be neutral she, in alignment to make that choice? I am pretty sure. May I have a place? Yeah, so any any meta elements to this, um, Michaela answers in such a way as yeah, to yeah. make sense to Kaelin. Yeah. Like, Kaelin obviously understands the conception of some cleric. Clerics controlling the undead is generally considered a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, but, um, like, I know as a player that um, it's not necessarily something that only evil clerics can do, because, of course, Elberith was... Um, uh, a cleric who is neither good yeah. nor evil... Nor whose and whose deity is neither good nor evil, uh, yeah. spontaneously cures or inflicts player's choice depending on which when the cleric is more proficient at wielding positive or negative energy. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, this choice also determines whether the cleric turns or commands the undead. Yeah, the, the, um, so that's um, Michaela. Um, yeah, of course, Michaela has to spontaneously prepare has to prepare healing spells. She does. She cannot sp- cast spontaneously cast cure spells. She can only spontaneously okay, cast inflict spells. spells. Yes. Most of her spell loadout is cures. Yeah. Which she then spontaneously turns into inflicts. Yes, that makes sense. Because she is a negatively aligned cleric, but uh, like Eldorath, not an evil one. And there is one Although Eldorath was a bit more of a dodgy fellow. And there is one more aspect to this answer. I, yep. I think that's a fairly fair and No, no, that is fantastic. Um, <laughs> she says, but Savannah is only the commonly known... The fa- Savannah is only the commonly known name... She is said to hide behind her veils, be of all races, but my mother was wise and has spoken to Tristan obliquely on this matter. She has been known by other names in the past. Robin Goodfellow she has used in the old days of the River Kingdoms, the Puck. Ah. Okay. 
her nature, I believe, has not changed so much as Oberon's Mavs and Titania's. That is why I think there is a certain perverse delight in the nature of who and what we are. So yeah, she's she's a clerical part. Okay, yep. That totally answers my how did we possibly go this far without you putting Puck into the campaign thing. Yep, Puck has been here the whole time. Yep. That's actually comforting because the laughing was freaking me out. I, I feel better about that now I know. What laughing? Um... Uh, when we um, got a divination answer from... Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's because you're getting it from Puck. Yeah. No, that... You've got to remember the last thing that Creepy laughed at me was um, that um, was that laughing, crying child thing in the Jane Regent, which gave me childhood trauma. Uh, so, several more things for this. Uh, by her nature... Um, she, by the nature of the mystery, we... By the nature of the mystery, the veiled one does not care what symbol. The, the veiled one does not care what symbols we openly present. To, we, we openly present, and she shakes her charm bracelets. Irori, Phorasma, Callistra, Desma, Desna, Norgabor, Mathes, Aristotle, Gorum. These are deceptions, a feint as much as a dodge in a battle on a battlefield. My true holy symbol is in plain sight. And she reaches up and clips her veil back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so her holy symbol is her veil. Uh, all nice. the rest of it is show. Right. The sure. other eight holy symbols she carries do nothing. They are merely silver charm bracelets. Shiny. Alright. That is a very full and complete answer. Yeah. Right. And the, the thing about Puck is hilarious and very good. And so obvious in retrospect. <laughs> uh, uh, let's just uh, I'm not surprised to tell that he was in there somewhere. Oh, there's there's more. Yeah. But it was a question of whether you found out from Michaela first or not. Yeah. Uh, and she, thank you. Robin Goodfellow. Ah. Uh, sure Michaela thing. knows her as a she. Yes. Mm-hmm. Albeit that um, Savannah hides her name, her... Um, Species and her identity behind seven veils, allegedly. Yeah. Um, each of which is removed brings you closer to the truth, but no one's ever ascended the level of fully knowing. Which pretty much probably links in with why Michaela also hides her um, racial identity and face and that. Yeah, you know, it, it makes more sense as a requirement of her deity. I mean, obviously she's got identity issues in her own right, but... Um, it, it does make more sense as a religious requirement because those are some extreme identity issues. And she leans across to you and smiles. My turn. Aye. When you came to the Stolen Lands, the Green Belt, you came down with Tristan alone. I heard a lot about it. I know you faced a variety of terrible trials. I know that you came down here at Lord Thorne's command with the intent of making Tristan king of these lands but that he chose to yield it to you, and he didn't want the weight of the responsibility. Aye. My question for you is this. What would you have done if he had refused to yield it to you? Turned down, turned it down flat, demanded to become king of what would be Stagthorn. feel free to ponder as a player as long as you like I've yeah. had time to think about her answers to your likely questions obviously 
It's a hard thing for me to answer. The man I was when I came down to the Stolen Lands is not the man I am today. I was younger, more frightened, more lonely, more insecure, less confident. I believe I would have pushed it with him, and that would have driven us to conflict. As to which one of us would have won the argument, I cannot, I, I can't say. It would depend on how badly he wanted it and how badly I wanted it. How, how far I'd have been prepared to go. I don't know. If both of you had wanted it badly enough, what if it had gone beyond an argument? force of arms. I wouldn't. <laughs> he couldn't take me. That's... And I wouldn't... <laughs> That's such a great honest answer. That's <laughs> so right. And I wouldn't... I might have hit him if uh, if we'd... I would have hated myself for it afterwards, but I can't say... I mean, I've, I've a temper, as you know. But I believe if he was prepared to push it as far as he was prepared to go I would have left left him left the green belt gone away somewhere back to mercenary work? nay I would have gone looking for something else but what that would have been I really don't know I I would have fought I fought for it wasn't easy for me to go against Lord Thorne's wishes to put myself forward. At the time, I felt like the least likely king. It, Oberon convinced me, but not sure that was what he was actually trying for, but by asking me questions and forcing me to thought about it, he convinced me to go for it. He convinced me to face up to what I really wanted, that I, that I wanted the job and that I didn't think Tristram could do it. My respect for Tristram has grown a lot since those early days. I respected him more after we got down to... I respected him some all along and more after we got to the green belt, but he's grown as well. But I still think that of the two of us, I'm the better king. I think he has many valuable qualities. I certainly wouldn't necessarily say that I'm the better man, but... I feel I have the capacity to shoulder the responsibility. I'm not entirely as eager for that as I was when those younger days when I didn't really know what that entailed. But I don't think I made the wrong choice, and I would have been prepared to push it with him, but it would never have gone as far as... I would have left rather than kill... I would have left rather than kill him if those were my choices, and I think I might not have been prepared to push it all the way if that had been what it taken what it had taken I, I don't know if that she nods several times might have beens are always the hardest of questions to answer you have been honest and complete yeah I mean presuming that you're not lying the player's not lying yeah. to the GM then um okay and she gestures back to you And Kaelin 
gently yeah. motions to I would really like to know what she looked like. She chews on her lower lip slightly and I'm presuming that's that's what you're aiming for a yeah. second question. As you wish. I will need several I will need a few I will need several minutes. And she goes off, and you hear splashing of water, scraping noises, etc., etc., etc. And you will actually hear her changing clothes, among other things, as yeah. well. Um, when she comes back in, um, I just find the picture. So. That is the default Michaela that yeah. you're used to. That is uh, pretty much what she looks like um, in your generally speaking day-to-day interactions. With the full plate on, she's got the full-on yeah. visor down, all the rest of it. Um, she goes off, um, comes back in, and she spent 10-15 minutes out of the room, presumably de-disguising herself. When she comes back in, she still looks identical to the way she left. She, but she's obviously been doing something. She comes back in, and she sits down. I have taken off all the paint. All the, I've taken off all the paint, the wig, the additions, everything but this. It is time then to unveil, and she reaches up, and she says, this is a holy symbol. It is also a magical item. It keeps my parents disguised. And since you are um, unable to see through her disguise skill anyway, uh, it is functionally the same thing as a hat of disguise. It gives her a plus ten bonus for disguise checks and the ability to cast disguise on disguise self on herself. Uh, so at this point, basically, she has a permanent disguise self on, and she walks around made up with paint, prosthetics, wigs, etc., 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 on top of her magical disguise. Yeah. She's gone off and removed all that crap. What you are seeing now is just the magical disguise, which looks exactly the same, yeah. but she double redundancies herself. So the conception there is if something in battle happened to a veil, yeah. she'd still be disguised. She would lose ten points worth of her disguise, yeah. and thus people would get an opportunity to spot through it, which would give her a meager twenty to disguise instead of thirty. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so at this point, having removed her all her disguise but the magic... You know, she's now still at plus ten or so to it. Yeah. Um, and because it allows her to basically put on a seeming. If yeah. you poked extensively or stared extensively at her, you might be able to see through it at this point. Yeah, that's right. But of course she's about to do it anyway. Yeah. She reaches up and takes the veil off her face entirely and drops it on the ground. And as she does so, the magic dissipates off her. Um, what you are looking at is she is still a woman. Um... Her hair, her head is mostly balding. There is short, heavily shaved black hair on it. Um, she has pointed ears, pointed teeth, a flat nose, and a green tint to her skin. She's a half orc. Oh. 
and not a young one? Uh, no. no if, she, if, her, if her hair is balding. Um, no, her hair is shaved. Oh, right, okay. That's she right. shaves it down so she can put the long, luxuriant wig on of beautiful hair. Ah. Um, her hair, it, it is obviously, her hair is not naturally a buzz cut like that. She obviously cuts it and shaves it to achieve this effect. Um, she looks, uh, what are you, sorry, age-wise? Uh, 30-some, 34 at this point. Yeah, and she's good. So she looks older than you, about 10 years you're seeing here. Yeah. Um, so she is getting towards older for a half-walk, but she's the equivalent of, like, human 50 kind of thing. So she's not ancient and crone-like. I didn't see her mother in the vision, did I? No, because Michaela doesn't remember what her mother looked like. Ouch. Yep. So she showed up in the vision as a weird shadowy figure of no particular um, yep. conjecture, because Michaela doesn't remember. I think this came up. Michaela doesn't remember what her mother looks like, and that's why she remembers her that way. Yeah. Or at least she doesn't remember her well enough to did, get more yeah, than... Yeah, that makes sense. Um, she takes this aside. She is half-walk. Um... She is uh, not stunningly attractive, although she has clearly made no real effort to be so. Um, yeah. It's, it, all the effort goes into the disguising and everything like that. Um, and the clothes that she is dressed in now are um, the same thing that she was actually wearing when you came in. That dress is actually real. It's an arisen peasant's dress. Yeah. Now you know. I... I guess we have more in common than I realise. Hey. It's okay? I've always been an outsider. In more ways than one. You can sympathise, I'm sure. I... It's, um... Never really occurred to me to try and hide it... But there have certainly been many times... You'd saw her on Candlemere, there's certainly been many times I wanted to. Oh, and um, she is buff. Really, really goddamn buff. The the form that she usually takes shows her as a fairly Amazonian-type woman. She's got good defined muscles. But she's a fucking tank as a half-orc. She's got shoulders the width of yours. Yeah. And big-ass biceps. <laughs> I just never... I never thought I'd feel kind of stupid. Although that's nothing new for me. Our kind is... not particularly welcomed anywhere. Caught between two worlds. At least you have some idea of... your mother and your father, why you are what you are. I... never had any answers. Do you remember... You don't remember enough of your mother to know... even... Whether she was like us, she, human or orc. She shakes her head, and I never knew my father. For all I know, perhaps she was a half-orc and the orcish bloodlines passed strongly through her. Perhaps she was taken advantage of in some faraway climb. Aye. It's a hard... Th- it, it is a hard thing. If people are not accepting a peasant girl from a risen... Imagine how unaccepting there will be of a mysterious half-orc peasant girl from Arisen. Aye, so you started concealing it young when you when you got away. For as long as I can remember. 
when I went down into the, I remember one of my earliest memories is blunting my ears taping them down to go down to the village to shop back in Arisen in Brivoy I never even tried to show my face show my true face I already had this by then she picks the veil up again it was much easier to hide than risk the chance it's I believe customarily I'm supposed to say that I'm sure it would have been fine if you'd shown people your real face but it's I'm completely confident you would never have risen to the kind of political success you had if you had been honest with people about who and what you really were whether it was worth playing that part I can't say but I'm not um, the I will always always prefer human society to walk society no one's ever going to change my mind on that but human society has a number of flaws and tolerance is not always one of its strengths I admit your stories have lightened my heart somewhat in knowing that I have not uh, missed some extraordinary opportunity in never knowing the orcish ways. The, uh, it may be that my tribe was worse than many, but... But... I, I think um, old Garnax's a bit optimistic if he thinks that um, there's some grand experience to be had in Belzen that um, the rest of the um, community's missed out on. But for a poor woman... Alone in alone in Brevoy, with no friends and no family, and quite certainly a bastard of no standing too, would be my wager. It would not do to be seen, be able to lift carts over my head. I could have chosen, I suppose, to disguise myself clearly as a human or an elf or a half elf, but it was always fascinating to see what people what people what it revealed about people when they looked at me and thought they knew what they saw i i've i never i always thought you were something that you had what i wanted that you were something different from what i was you had a position, standing, actual political knowledge, humanity, or some standard thereof. I envy Bryn. If I was not going to be human, I'd far rather be part elf. I never saw that you were like me. And I was never prepared to tell you. I carry the weapons, the traditional weapons of the elves, misdirection. People see what they want to see. It has been of some use to me in politics to be considered 300 years old and wise beyond the years of those I'm dealing with. <laughs> Aye. Yep. Carries a long sword, carries a long bow. Yeah. And to be, and fooling me is not exactly a, a difficult feat at the best of times, but... If we're being honest, no. <laughs> it's... I'm sorry if I said anything insensitive... 
generally also a safe bet. Uh, can you make me a wisdom check? There was one in there somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you do not recall anything specific. Bugger. (laughs) Okay, and does that answer your question? It does. What does she look like? It does answer my question. Well, I never saw that coming. But it does, with retrospect, make a kind of a real kind of sense. Yep, yep. and she is she is fuck strong. <laughs> yep, yeah. No, I knew that part, but you know that's not actually completely inconceivable for an, a human or an elf or a yeah, half elf. Yeah, yeah, but that um, that nice half orc plus two bonus to strength. Yeah, really adds in there. Uh-huh. Uh, what are you? Eighteen. Yes. She is as strong looking as you are. Yeah. She is an 18 strength character. Although, in all fairness, I started out with 16. I've put attribute points into it. Uh, so did she. Yeah. Uh, she started... Uh, she started at 17. Yeah. And then went to 18, so she was actually stronger than you. Yeah. Although, not by the time you caught up with her. Yeah. Because she only came into the party at 4th level. Yeah. Although, I was, I, at 4th level, I was 17. I put the last point in it at 8th yeah, yeah. level. Yeah, so she was 17. I, so, so was exactly as strong. Yep. And she put her 8th um, level point into um, 18, into going up to 18 as well. Yeah. Okay. Does that answer your question fully and completely? It does. Okay, you ready for her one? Back yep. Again? She she bites her lip over this. She she doesn't uh, necessarily like. You always get the impression she doesn't want to ask it. Like yep. she doesn't necessarily want to know the answer. You have had a great many. Um, Excuse me, I have been over-requested. No, I will phrase myself clearly. You have had many complicated relationships with women over the years. I have. There was Lillian, Bryn, and right from the beginning, Svetlana. I don't consider her someone I was in a relationship with. But I've always had a relationship with her. I know that I have expressed my opinion many times that love is for fairy tales and children. What I wish to ask you is before you approached Bryn, before Svetlana proposed to you, I had come and asked would knowing this have made a difference as she points to her half-orc face and Kaelin will pause for a moment and look up at the air of magic around And now you make another wisdom. Now you can make another wisdom check if you want. Yeah. Come on, give me it. All right. Twenty-seven. Okay. Prompted by this question, you think back to some of the conversations you've had with her, 
Um, one of the conversations you have had with her about Bryn and your assorted romantic partners, because you went to her for advice. Yeah, 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 yeah. But right around the time that I was uh, I was planning to uh, set up a camera and just never come back. Yep, yep. And one of the things that you told her was that you were worried that your children would be half-orcs and that you wanted to try and avoid that if possible. Which, of course, with her, your chances would be significantly higher. Yeah, it would be. And Caitlin will look up at the veils. You already know a little bit. I'm not comfortable with what I am. If I'm not certain what I'd do today if um, some power or spirit came down and offered to make me human, but if you'd asked me five or ten years ago, I'd have taken it like a shot. And even today... I don't want to give my children this. And he gestures fairly dismissively at his own face. Yep. She winces slightly. It's... I still think you're beautiful. It's not... You're beautiful in a different way than I thought you'd be. But that... You're asking me what I would have done. Again, you're asking me what I would have done. Hardest questions. I think... (laughs) If you had come to me and told me that you cared about me and that this is who you really were, I believe... I would have... That I would have come to terms with that. That but it would have taken me longer because I struggled more with who I am. I still struggle with who I am, but I struggled with it more. You've been with me. I don't entirely know what Candlemere was for you. I know when you saw whatever it was that you saw, you said that that fear was no longer what possessed you. But for me, Candlemere was about being an outcast. It I did, saw your family turning on you. It didn't entirely lay to rest my feelings about it, but it forced me to confront them. And they've weakened somewhat with having a place that's mine respects people I trust and with having Bryn having someone who cares about me who doesn't care about this it's you're lucky I think it would have I can't to be honest I think the likeliest outcome is that I've said something cloddish and offended you mortally and then, um. <laughs> she actively starts laughing at this. And then, um, we'd have worked through it.
but I may not be the brightest of men, but I'm not a complete dolt. And what you bring to the table has never been about what you look like, because no one's known that. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) it might have made you a bit less intimidating, and I was pretty intimidated by you back then. Is that all answered honestly? That is all answered honestly. She she seems to be watching the veils and the air around you as if she's... Like, at several points, you tell her that you're, she's beautiful, but in a different way you expected, and she looks around like she's expecting the room to catch fire or something in that neighbourhood. Caitlin's initial impulse is to go for the chivalrous lie and say yeah. it wouldn't have been any problem at all. Yeah, and yeah. I watch you go, ah, damn it. And, um... You, you actually, like, someone with Michaela's sense motive will see him pause yeah. and be more, like, the the progeny thing would be a big stopper for him, and it would have been more of a stopper for him back then. And you actually get a sense motive check here mm-hmm. uh, against Flat D3. She cannot oppose you with her blood. Okay, uh, 24. Okay. Um, particularly when you tell her that she's beautiful in a different way, um, she actively um, sort of smiles and dimples at this and that sort of thing. Um, she's not thrilled with your answer, but she's pretty happy with it on the whole. Sweet. Um, you can also get off her that this has been weighing on her for some time. Uh, and you will also get on that, because that's a nice high check that she asked that question quite specifically because she asked whether her being a half orc would have made any difference. What she didn't ask is, would you have said yes? Yes. <laughs> she very deliberately didn't ask the question. Yeah. She wanted to hear the answers of that one specifically. Yeah. All right. Uh, you will also notice, as you do this, basically the veils are hanging down from the ceiling over the fire... Um, as soon as she points out that her deity is the seventh veil, you can't help but notice there are seven of them. And after each question, she throws one in the fire. Yeah. So you're now down to, I think, three left. At which point there should be one remaining once you're done. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Um, now I need to have a moment. Yep, by all means. Because um, I don't think it's a good idea to ask that question. Can I know as the GM? Um, the question was going to be, how do you feel about me? Ah. And you might not necessarily want to know the answer. That's what Kaelin's thinking. Fair enough. And to be honest, it's a little challenging because the two things he really wanted to know yeah. are the two things that yeah. but actually... Um, you can always ask about her weird class levels and shit. Yeah. That's of interest to you. Um, let me just take a moment and ponder. Like, what's your build is, is more or less a completely legitimate question. You know, where did you learn? What are the abilities you possess? Yeah, no, I think um, Kaelin pauses for a little while and then um, Why did you come to the stolen lands why did you decide to throw in with me in the first place 
He told me a little of it at the time, but we didn't know each other very well back then. You had built up quite a position for yourself. And I, I have to admit, I can't imagine I was the most proposing of sights. She thinks about this for several long moments. What I have told you is, in the largest part, true, albeit not not necessarily entire. She literally starts prevaricating, stops herself, and she says, "But not entire, but not entirely complete." I, you know, where I have come from and risen. I found my way to Brevoy, penniless and with a handful of oblique skills to my name. I worked as worked as a serving worked as a serving girl in three different houses simultaneously under a different identity in each one. Kevin collectively laughed quietly at that one. Until I garnered until I garnered enough money to move myself up in station. It was simply a matter of having enough coin to buy the right clothes the right the right hairstyle be properly conferred and with that in my word alone suddenly I was a noble of the ancient house of Mar- ancient and little known house of Mirai <laughs> it was re- that was all it took you have seen my skills at theatricality and deception I cannot I cannot say that anyone could have done it that simply but I am actually in agreement with Tristan here. Clothes make the man. People see what they are expecting to see. If I approached, if I approached one of them as a serving girl dressed in peasant dressed in peasant stock and with a subservient look on my face, they would have taken me exactly as such. When I approached exactly the same people dressed in finery, a superior smug look on my face, as if I knew that I was better than them by the sheer virtue of my noble bloodlines and breeding, they believed me. It's simply a matter of force of will. <laughs> you you wonder why I am always watching what others are really thinking. It's because I know how easy it is to put forth a false face. From there, I worked through several positions and found myself in the employ of your father, Lord Elder Thorne. At the time, as at the time as a clerk in his retention. Um, but I had skill. Your father has always been good at picking personnel for jobs. He found me very. He found me very suitable as his. Um, what was the actual job title? Was it ambassador to the House of Monarch? It does ring a bell. Uh, I've got her venture capital letter assigned yeah. with it. So, uh, Lady Michaela Morag, ambassador to the House of Thorn. Yeah. Um, in, in several years I found myself in a position as the ambassador of the House of Thorn. I have nothing but the greatest of respect of the eldest Thorn. You know that to be true because he possesses a certain quality of loyalty. When he gives his word, he keeps it. When you do your best for him, he does his best for you. I, I cannot honestly say I consider him a friend, but... <laughs> It is not. It is simply not that sort of relationship. But more closely, I 
I have a great sense of loyalty to him. I would not have easily abandoned his house or his service, and yet I did not want to simply stop, ascend to that role. I hadn't even thought of this to myself until we sp- until we sp- speak of it here. In truth, I was afraid that if I stayed there too long, I would become too well known, that people would get too close to me. I already had contacts, allies. I wondered what would happen next if I had friends, if they found out what I was. If I let people get too close, if the entire illusion would come shattering down around me and bring it all to ruin. If it was revealed that the noble house of Morag was a lie, that Eldis's ambassador was a half-orc from nowhere. And Kaelin's fists will actually um, clench until the knuckle goes right. You know, you and I really do have a remarkable amount in common. Honestly, I think Lord Eldis would have been angry with the deception, but I think he would have kept me on. However... I think some part of me did not want to run the risk. I. That is a part of it. Another part of it is that I saw opportunity here. Opportunity to become something more than what I was, expand my role, become more than just the ambassador for House of Thorn, and I have done so very successfully and very happily here. This is the first and only place I've ever really called home. The House of Thorn was welcoming, but it was a place of business, not a home. I still remember what you told me at the time, that you had many things, but none of them were really yours. Every one of them was a lie. This, Lady Michaela Morag, the illusion, has built up Stagthorn. But it was all me behind it. I did this. I was a part of creating this place. Excuse me if I trumpet my own horn, but without me this would not be here. You you and many others have done a great share of the work as well, but... Nay, I don't think we could... We couldn't have done this without you. We might have done something without you, but we couldn't have done this. The political skills you bring to the table have been vital, and... You've made a great deal of difference to me. It's not been easy these past few years, and relying on you has made a difference. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had you, but I feel that political and personally I would have fallen into a number of holes that could have been quite perilous. And that's without counting what you've done in a larger sense around the kingdom battling things, taking down Vordekai. So that then is my answer. There are no... There are no great dark secrets that you do not know. A part of it was from fear. A part of it was from looking for opportunity. I'm very content with my choices. Here I found security, safety, loyalty... And rarest of all, friends. 
Kim will reach out and clasp her hand. Mm-hmm. She squeezes your hand very tightly and burns the next veil. Yep, and it's Kaylin's last question. And she she actively also stops and thinks about this, like yep. she's changing questions as yep. well. I think I have come to know you fairly well, but you... I have no intent to insult you when I tell you you are not a complex man. <laughs> Day, I know me. You do not hide great and deep secrets within you. Nay, I was a bit curious what you asked me because I think the things I usually don't tell people you already know. That is what I believe as well. And yet, I am a lady. And yet I am a servant of the puck of the goddess of mysteries. And I simply must know. Do you hold some other dark secret? Some part? Something you're concealing from me? Something I do not know? What is it? No is actually a perfectly legitimate answer here. But that's what she's going with. Because it will actually tell her something if you, you are, in fact, genuinely what you appear to be on the tin, given how much she looks for the hidden secrecy. Yeah, I'm just thinking it over. When Lord Eldis told me the truth about who I really was, I came pretty close to going off the rails, I think. She raises her eyebrows at this. I was drinking a lot. I push Tristram in training harder than I should. I the um cleric of Aristotle at the time that um Lord Thorne kept gave me a tongue lashing, helped me to pull out of it. I don't know what I would have done if I had kept going down that road. but I was ready to murder him when he told me. And her eyebrows go straight up at this and, and her face flickers several times as she can't just sit here and remain impassive and listen to you. It was... What I went through for the four years after after my mother died... It was bad. I was so grateful to him all those years for rescuing me for no reason. For giving me everything that he did. To discover that he left me there when he left the tribe. I don't think he thought about he was a younger man I don't think he thought about what was going to happen to me I don't think he could understand necessarily the difference that it would make that he was a valuable political prisoner and I wasn't but 
I think I have tried hard to be tolerant of Akaros and Kirsten and Svetlana, I suppose, although I can't help but see her differently. That might be a problem with me rather than something that's different about her. But they made some really bad decisions along the way and I don't know that I'm I don't think I'm flattering with myself when I say that none of my decisions have been that bad but I'm not certain that that isn't just as much a part of me as it is of them I'm not certain what I could have done if my circumstances had been different when I was in a dark enough place And when we when we first met, I was tremendously impressed by you. I still am. And it may not have been obvious, but back then you would have been my first choice. She asked me for my. She asked me for what secrets I was keeping. Yep, you get a sense motive check. Yeah. That's a fourteen. She winces. Just, just for an instant. That's all. It's. I didn't ask. Kellen will look directly at her. I didn't ask how you feel about me. You told me that you didn't... You told me quite bluntly when I asked before I proposed to Bryn, before I really started pursuing her, that you didn't have any schoolgirl feelings for me, I believe was how you phrased it. I think... I don't love you. I think I could have. But you are very dear to me. As with Svetlana, you are someone who is important to me, and that is just different for me than it would be if you were my friend who was who was male. And <laughs> that's about and the only other secrets I generally keep you already know the whole business with Kero yes how I and some of them I think you share that what you said about them all finding you out it's (laughs) you have more to hide in one sense in that you're pretending to be something that you're not but I still occasionally wake up and think it's going to have all turned out to be a dream. I used to wake once a night with it when the mercenaries first rescued once a week with it when the mercenaries first rescued me, but it's it's never entirely gone away. And once I'd spent a few years among humans I got to understand that it was never going to entirely go away. What they see when they look at me, it's 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 not such a problem in the kingdom, but 
it, it never went away wherever we went in human lands. That it was always and him. That I can definitely understand. Thank you for your honesty. Some of those answers I expected, others I did not. And so we sit before each other. The the sixth veil goes in the fire. Questions three asked and answered, complete and honest. Now you know more of me than anyone else walking this earth. Now I know more of you. And together, behind the veils, all illusions stripped aside, all veils taken, everything sits revealed. We are together now. We will take a part of each other. She reaches up, takes the seventh veil down, says, take the veil. And she pulls your hand down and puts the veil into the fire with you. Yeah. And as she does so, um, something washes over Kaelin, and for a moment you are in Michaela. You are a part of her, and you are the part of her that is the strongest part of her, the part of her that will never, ever go away, no matter what happens. You are the little girl hiding behind the tower shield while the men scream and the fire rages on the other side. No matter where you go, no matter where you run, part of you will always be ducked down behind that shield, knowing that it brings you protection, knowing that it keeps you safe. And your eyes go wide at this for a moment, and Michaela presumably perceives some part of you as well, although you don't get to see it, because that's not actually on screen. Yeah. Um, And her eyes go wide as well. The veil burns up. Both of you sit back, feeling somewhat exhausted by this. You feel like you've just gone 20 rounds with a chess master kind of thing. And she sits back at this, and... The candle goes flicker and goes out. The fire goes out. And there is a moment of darkness. Um, you literally cannot see in here, nor can she. And then she lights the fire again mundanely, and the candle burns up, and you can see each other. It's done then. But one thing you should remember at the end of the ritual of unveiling and she gestures up towards the roof where there is still a seventh veil hanging there despite the fact that you just put it in the fire says there is always another mystery to be figured out (laughs) awesome and you gain her 20 point ability (laughs) it really kind of I've been wanting those character revelations for quite some time it's hard to believe I also get a bonus uh you carry a part of what she is in you now, and what she is is she is, by her nature, a very defensive woman. Um, she hides her nature, she conceals herself in mysteries, but in the way she fights, which is what um, Caitlin tends to most note of people, she fights very defensively. She is very hardcore focused on her heavy tower shield, her defenses, her massive AC, that sort of thing. 
to the point where it seriously compromises her offensive abilities because she's such a tank. Mm-hmm. Um, you carry a part of this with you, this this part need and part ability to protect yourself well, but it's also merged with Kaylin. You are not becoming her. You feel no great urge to hide behind a tower shield or anything of the sort to protect yourself from the world. You are merely taking in some of the lessons she has learned that the best defense is sometimes a good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are taking it on in a very Kaylin-y way. You know that the best defense is a good offense. Huh? And so the ability you gain here is called Shield of Blades. And it provides you with a plus two shield bonus as long as you are armed. Oh, wow. It is literally you parry blows off with your sword or flail or whatever it is that you are doing. If you don't have a weapon, you also don't have a shield. Yeah. But in this case, you no longer need to wield a shield to derive that benefit. You get a shield bonus from your weapons. Sweet! That is her 20-point ability, Shield of Blades. Shiny. And that is um, mostly the end of that scene. Yep. Yes, I imagine we would, you know, talk quietly for a little bit, and then at some point, um, Kaelin would go back to bed. Yeah, um... Among other things, it will come up because this would doubtlessly hurt Kaylin. Um, the um, wand of dark vision that she carries that lets oh. her see in the dark. Oh, oh! Uh, she is, of course, a half orc. She can see in the dark anyway. Oh, <laughs> I feel dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no. I think ca- the camera sees Kaylin go back to bed, and then the following morning, sit up, sits up. Why does she have a wand of dark vision? <laughs> he doesn't say that out loud. Um, what she is carrying around is in fact a wand it is worth 8 gold it has a single charge of mage hand on it Yeah. Um, or I think it's mage hand it's the same because she's thought this through it's the same school as dark vision yeah. transmutation I believe off yeah. my head um, but she doesn't actually cast anything she just relies on your lack of spellcraft she yeah. waves the wand around and goes humana jumana boomana <laughs> Oh, okay, I'm a little embarrassed about that. <laughs> uh, you also, of course, now have a pretty good idea why she speaks Orcish. Yes, of course. <laughs> because she's a half-orc, it's her yeah. racial language. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she speaks Elvish because that's one of the things she's pretending to, to be. be. yeah. So she deliberately picked that up. Yeah. As her, um, as, as her language. Huh? She's actually doing another language. Her intelligence has gone up since the campaign started. I never gave her extra language. Oh, well, you can't um, think about that at some point. Yep. Um, and yes, that is that. Um, as a part of your um, metagaming answer, um, I will also now give you an indication of how she is built. Yep. If you are so interested. Well, I am interested. Uh, so she can see in the dark, she has bonus strength, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, she has run as her bonus feat for being a half orc. Oh, which is why she's Which so is why fast. she's fast and why she gets a bonus to jump checks. Yeah. Um, like, it doesn't come up a lot because she's still not all that awesome at it. The only ranks and jump she actually has are from her what was not ability from Titania. Yeah. Uh, the rest of it is all brute strength. Yeah. Um, and her running thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she 
Her spell list is literally uh, the only thing on it that is not a cure spell or a domain spell are a couple of shield of faith. Right, yeah. Everything else is cure light, cure light, cure mod, cure mod, cure mod, cure serious. Yeah, and then she just uses turns them into inflicts when she wants to hurt somebody. Correct. Um, obviously, her build you've kind of already seen. She's built around using inflict sneak attacks. Yeah. Um, the... She is a cleric of Savannah, like a yep. of mysteries. I'm pr- I, I didn't see a lot of that coming, but I'm proud that I totally uh, nailed her deity a year and a half ago. And her domains are trickery and magic. Ah, nice. Uh, the ability the magic domain gives her is that she can treat her cleric level as a wi- as half a cleric level as wizard levels for the purposes of using magical items. Ah, nice. That's how she can do a lot of the wizarding shit. It's yeah. Not, it's not actually use magic device. Ah, it's, it's using the, the magic, magic domain. domain. That's why she can do most things, and then there's a bunch of them that she just can't. Period. Because yeah. things like a bard spell she can't do at all. Period. Yeah. But a low level wizard spell she can do. Yeah. Um. Her skills you actually kind of already have. Yeah. For the most part. Um, and what else are you missing here? Uh, you want to query the GM? Um, I'm just curious about how she's built Cleric versus Rogue. Oh, right. Okay, so she has one level in Rogue, so she does not possess evasion. Right, yep. Um, she has two levels in cleric. Yeah. She has one level in fighter. Ah, yes. Which gives her all her martial proficiencies and her and tower shield, shield. Which of was, course. I I didn't necessarily need to put a fighter level in the build, but I looked at it and went, otherwise it's going to be really hard to because you'll have to take proficiency tower shield separately. Yeah. Because you have to be proficient with it. No wonder you're having so much. Fire. No wonder you're having so much trouble getting her um, cross class levels up if you yeah. only have yeah. one rogue level to do it with. Yeah. And then she possesses... A, all the rest of her levels are in a prestige class called Initiative of the Mysteries. Ah. Um, which is an entirely homebrewed one loosely based off an existing concept. Yeah. Um, that is effectively a rogue cleric multi-class thing. Right, so uh, it's every, like that Divine Trickster, sort of. Yeah, every odd level she gets another level of Divine Spellcasting. Every even level she gets a D6 of Sneak Attack. Right, yeah. She has a lower hit dice than a cleric and less skill points than a rogue in exchange yeah. for this. Um... She does pick up a couple of bonus feats from this. Every every couple of levels worth of initiative of the mysteries, she gets a bonus feat from those um, plus two plus two skill feats. Ah, uh, yep. Um, thus far, she has had enough levels to take persuasive, which is bluff and intimidation, and investigator, which is search and gather information. Ah, uh, nice. But the plus four bonus to search for investigator was really useful. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um. As to the rest of it, because um, you will pretty much get all this, which yeah. is explaining what she is in terms that you understand. Uh, one of her traits is magical knack, that cross-classing thing that gives you extra uh, class yeah. levels if you're multi-classed. Yeah. Um, which is not particularly explained by any real background, per se, as just, you know, she focuses on her spells and what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, the other one of which is Indomitable Faith, which gives her a plus one bonus to her will saves and says, you possess a faith that is rare amongst the people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you worship some obscure deity. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, I remember that one. And then she has two separate feats. Um, 
one of which says that she stacks all her other levels with her cleric levels to determine her turning ability. Yeah. And one of which says that she's got um, up to plus four more hit dice worth of caster level. Right, So, yeah. like, magical knack twice as yeah. a feat, basically. It's a feat called practice spellcaster. Yeah. So, up to six of her multi-class levels count as caster levels for the purposes of determining spell duration and blah, 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 blah. And all of them count for the purposes of turning, so she yep. turns as a full cleric. Sweet. And now you know. Yep. All mysteries are revealed. Yep. Well, not quite all, but nearly There's all. always one more mystery. Yep. It's because, deliberately, I still don't know how she feels about Kaelin. Yep. Because Kaelin thought it would be better not to ask that question. Yep, she changed one of her questions, too. <laughs> Can I know out of character you did, um, or no? Um... The second question she asked you was if she'd approached you before Svetlana and Bryn, would it have made any difference that she was a half-orc? Yeah. The question she didn't ask, that was going to be a third one, was um, was um, it's some variant on would you have said yes? Yeah. And the answer is, of course, yes. Mm. <laughs> but, but she looked at it and went, I don't want to ask this because I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can I can assure myself of obtaining an honest answer, but I don't want to know. Yeah. I loved her expression on the last round. <laughs> it was... It was... Yeah, I wanted to kill Elder's Thorn. That's really interesting to me. <laughs> it wasn't like he was actually about to do it no, or no, anything. No, no, but, but, but it's, it's interesting because she doesn't see Caelan that way. And yeah. And that would put her in a mind-bogglingly hard position because she has an enormous deal of personal loyalty to both him and you. Yeah. And, um, Kellen would, you know, mention afterwards as they're just generally chatting that, yeah. um, he feels very much the same way as she does about Elders. It's a yeah. little more complicated, but, um, he, 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 Elders' spawn is actually tremendously important to Kellen, but in a funny kind of way... He deliberately doesn't call him father most of the time, even when he's dealing with people who know that he is his father. But yes, I, I had enormous fun making her um, making her list of weird equipment that consists of a chest, three lock, three different locks, yeah. um, her heavy full plate and all this kind of crap, um, her eight holy symbols, all of which are of deities that she doesn't worship. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all of her starting money, most of her starting money went into her veil of disguise. Yeah. Um, and I have listed here as a wand of does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> which is there purely for the purpose of waving it round and claiming it's a, it's yeah. a wand of dark vision. So two things happen as an aftermath to the little coders to the scene. Mm-hmm. Is that, um, she and Kaelin, I think, um, possibly get out some nice wine and, um, have a bit of a sit and just chat about things. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaelin eventually goes home, stumbles next to Bryn, kisses her, and um, whispers in her ear without really endeavouring to wake her up that he's a lucky man. I know. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the next no- the next morning, Kaelin sits bolt upright, <laughs> and then the next night goes and finds deliberately goes and finds Michaela when no one else is around. Yes. <laughs> You don't really have a wand of dark vision. I have several wands. But one of them isn't there. No, it would be largely redundant. 
if I, if I am with people, if if I am with people who cannot see in the dark, then they will require lanterns anyway. So I, ne- I never, if I never bring the concept up, no one ever asks me to cast it on them. And if I am with people who can see in the dark, I just feel like you've been doing that for two years now, and I feel like I should have picked up on it. If it's any consolation at this point, I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I always knew if you if you wanted to put things over on me, you could do it. It's amazing how far you can get with knowing five words in Infernal and Draconic and waving a mag- waving a stick around with exactly enough charge on it to detect as magical. You know, I wasn't even checking. It it just wouldn't occur to me to check if somebody was really casting a spell or not. The art of a good disguise is to be prepared if someone does check. <laughs> All right, I can cope with this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you would actually be able to pick it up if you had sufficient spellcraft and sat there casting detect magic on her while she buffed herself with dark vision because you'd get, she has blah magical auras on her from her magical gear. She waves the stick around, her auras do not change. But the, um... You'd have to be pretty goddamn paranoid. But, um, Caelan would be a very different character if he had spellcraft and, you know... (laughs) was actually capable of sensing motives at higher levels. There's, there's still time and very little purpose to cross-classing a million points into it. Yep. And yeah, I think definitely leave it there. And yes, that is the um, your 20-point scene, the ritual of unveiling. Yes. That was... Yeah, I... Um, it should probably have taken you up on your offer to leave it there, mm-hmm. but the... Um, a, it was too But then it would have haunted you to your grave. Well, A, it was pretty exciting, and um, I had been waiting a long time for some of these things. And B, I... No. I could say I hadn't really anticipated how long it would take, but that would be a lie, because you flat out warned me it would take a long time. I just really wanted to do it. Because <laughs> you wanted to know. And Helen's are also a servant of the goddess of mystery, and can't resist a mystery. <laughs> I really relate to Mikhail now. <laughs> And has been right from the word go. Yeah. It does actually make a certain kind of sense, but I really, really didn't see that coming. Yep, yep. It's it's one of the reasons... The, the reasons she hides things about herself are both for religious and practical reasons. Yeah, yeah, the, um... Yeah, I, 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 Unsurprisingly, you get a lot better treatment as the elusive, beauteous, you know, elven... Possibly, po- po- elven. possibly elven lady, noble lady of the minor house of Morag, where you're a noble and know the right things to do, but you're not a big enough noble to really threaten anyone. Yeah, yeah. Rather than you're a, a peasant half-orc yeah. from a god-forsaken fantasy Russia. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, because I've known for a long time that the whole Morag thing is, was fictitious. I can't remember, but I think even before Candlemere? Uh, it's... I, I think you had suspected, and it came up at Candlemere explicitly, mm. that she was a peasant girl from Arisen, and thus she explained, you know, the noble house of Morag is a complete fiction. Yeah. I just, I just made it up. Yeah. I think, um... The conception is, like, it's not... A, I don't remember. My impression was that she, it wasn't a made-up name. It was a noble house that existed at some point. 
Yeah, I think the, the, I have to look back on it, but I think the conception is it's an extremely obscure house of Brevoy that exists in the far frozen north that basically does nothing, that she's more or less just co-opted to her purpose. Yeah, on the basis that there aren't enough Moraian nobles around that anybody's going to show up and say she's not really yeah, a Moraian. It's, it's common enough that it's on the books somewhere for anyone who went looking, but obscure enough that no one would ever care to look. But, I mean, somebody who made certain to have a spell wand of the right class wouldn't use a completely fictitious yeah, yeah. noble house that flat out didn't yeah. exist, because people can check that kind of and thing. She, it's like claiming you went to university in a place that doesn't exist. Whereas, are you a member of this noble house, of this obscure noble house? You know, it's like, have you personally interviewed every member of said noble house? How can you be sure that she isn't one? Isn't that a little hard to prove? And she very deliberately picked to be from a minor noble house, so... She was just noble enough to be acceptable to high society without being noble, noble enough <laughs> that it actually, you know, needed any checking or that she was any threat to anyone. <laughs> the fact that she's a half orc really changes everything. Everything she is is, is a lie. Yeah. It really... That's really not true. I mean, everything... Lady Michaela Morag is a lie. But everything Michaela is is not a lie just because she's a half orc. But it does it, it does shift Kaelin's world, and yeah, it, it would have definitely had an influence on him if he'd found that out. Yeah. But I think it would have kind of. I love that conversation you're having with her. Like, yeah, I don't want my children to be half orcs. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That's can, a good idea. I can see why she was upset about that, but... Uh, well, the thing is, she doesn't want her children to be half orcs either. Well, they, they, I mean, it, 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 she can't exactly claim she thinks it's an advantage in society, given she spent 30 years concealing her identity. <laughs> and some... Yeah, I mean, we quite clearly have a lot of the same issues. But, yeah, she is the weirdest character I've ever built. Yep. Yeah. A tower shield focused rogue <laughs> with inflict spells. Yeah. And the, but it's interesting that she like because the Savannah thing isn't vitally important to the big secret of her identity. Yeah. But she doesn't tell pe- she doesn't answer Corwin's questions so I'll stop bugging her because her deity wouldn't like it. Yeah. And, um. Although I'm entertained that that's as much because the deity thinks it's funny as because it, it actually it, seriously it, makes a difference. It's also just kind of ingrained into her nature now. Yeah. What they don't know can't hurt me. Yeah, yeah. But it's an interesting idea that people were. Fr- she and Svetlana really do have a tremendous amount in common. Yeah. People that both what they bring to the table is not you know and what what her mother her mother and Svetlana had a tremendous amount in common. Yeah, the thing is, I've um, I've met her, set this character up right from the get go to um, deck with the expectations of the player as well yeah. as the character. Yeah, like the conception that she deliberately carries elvish weapons because the player is is aware of what elves are racially proficient with. Yeah. And that as a cleric rogue, she wouldn't be proficient with those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I set her up to have an obscure goddess who might or might not be a bad person for the cult of Gyrona. Yeah, but and it's like, well, she's kind of a mysterious woman with a twisted past who serves an unknown deity. Oh god. 
Yeah, but th- that was that was a big character moment for Callan. Was that was that scene with her? You know, yeah, no, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I trust you. That, that was a moment for her as well. Tristan's like, um, there are some people in the kingdom who meet the criteria of woman we're looking for, like Michaela. Yeah, no, it's just Callan. Move along. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like, when Tristan's not prepared to trust someone. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um... It, it, Caitlin was a bit rocked by the potential that Svetlana was, wasn't trustworthy because he really thought he did know some things mm-hmm. about the world. I mean, the thing is, Goody Niskin not turning out to be trustworthy made Caitlin out to be pretty stupid in retrospect and a lot of his decisions kind of unwise... But it didn't rock his world. It kind of made a certain sense. The idea that Svetlana had been playing him from the get-go would have had a pretty devastating effect on Kalen. The, which is why it was so damn satisfying. Yeah. Well, you said to come alone. Yeah, I like <laughs> that one. Just come alone. Oh. So I did. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's the, oh, that's great. Oh, fuck. Yeah. But honestly, you know, Kaelin pretty much thought he was great, because the whole point was to be ambushed. The fact that she was, you know, it's like... And in fact, he was quite relieved when Niska showed up, because, you know, he, he'd gone to considerable trouble to be ambushed, and if she hadn't ambushed him, it would have fucked up his whole plan. <laughs> but yes, so that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've discovered the secret depths of uh, so-called Lady Michaela Moriah. Yeah, and... Um, got myself into a terrible predicament with my council selection. And, um, I have deliberately not written her race on the character sheet. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Just eyes. Yeah. I did, however, have to write her deity, because otherwise I'd never remember Savannah's name. Yeah. I'm damn proud of that one. You know, it was literally reading the description in the Pathfinder thing and thinking, this sounds exactly, and I mean exactly, like yeah, yeah. Mercaela's deity. I, I, I was endeavouring to walk ambiguously between, um, Savannah, Norgabor, and Gyrona as an outside shot. Yeah. No, I didn't think it was Norgabor or Gyrona. Particularly, I didn't think it was Gyrona. Uh, mostly Norgabor in the guise of Master of Secrets. Yeah. Yes, I considered that as a possibility, but I thought Savannah was much more likely, largely because of the Veil thing. The Veil thing just... And, you know, Savannah's pretty heavily up in the secrets. But, um... Uh, the reason I mentioned it at the time, I didn't think you'd confirm or oh, deny it, but it's not very plausible when you say I've known that for a year and I just never, in style, I just never brought it the, up. And the vague, um, and the vague inclination of the outer dark in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> the name of that which lies beyond the veil. Wait, what? Uh, the I veil did, of reality. I did worry about that a little bit recently because the, um, the divination conversation, the last divination conversation with Puck was really freaky. I actually feel a lot better knowing that's Puck because there are lots worse things that could be. Yeah, the Roman Kingdom, she goes by the Puck. Yeah, creepy laughter. You know, I'm actually good with I yeah. laugh because it, I'm a trickster as opposed to I laugh because I'm, you know... Well, it, it actually wasn't creepy laughter. I can totally see why you got that in context. Yeah. But it wasn't Puck going, ah, ha, 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 you know, this yeah. is a cruel and benevolent thing. It was more, <laughs> in his fucking eye. Yeah. Do yeah. fuck that guy off. Yeah, but you listen to it in the podcast. It's creepy la- It was creepy laughter. <laughs> yeah, well, it's extra-dimensional channel laughter yeah. from a deity in an aspect of her that um, it, largely no longer exists. Yeah, it's it's still... 
It, it, it was the same laugh that you used when you were doing that crying laughing child thing, okay? Uh, the, I did not invent Attic Whisperers. I know. blame Paizo for that. It's all their fault. I know. But you still personified one, and that's that's what's going to haunt me. I did, however, invent Lady McKellen or Ag entirely, so that's on me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty obvious, sweetie. I didn't think she was a big part of the campaign to begin with. <laughs> but Cleric of Savannah. Even though she doesn't have any monk levels. No, she doesn't. Nobody here has monk levels except Bryn, who's a straight-class monk. Yeah. But, see, because I got so much abuse for my Jade Regent multi-class NPCs... Yeah. This this time, they're all straight-class. Except... Krista's a straight-class bard, Mikhail's a straight-class monk... Yeah. ...who does a bunch of weird rangery shit. Yeah. And Corn's a straight-class cleric, and Mikhail's, um, 15 shades of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, She's couldn't... satisfying my desire to massively multi-class my characters. Yeah, but you know you welcomed multi-class them, sweetie. I just thought it was funny. Yes, I know, but um, it's for all three of them the concept of straight class works better. Yeah. The only thing I ever blinked on was making Tristan a bard one fighter one. Yeah, and I'm glad and, you didn't. Um, it... It, it, it had a nice kind of symmetry, but it really did help Kaelin to be the martial one going out. It, it, that was that was awesome, incidentally. The um. Uh, it, it's a neat role-playing thing to ask Kaelin a bunch of questions. Yes. Yes, I, I had to think for a while for them because it's, you know, what's Kaelin concealing from her? Well, fuck all. But but it's not about that. It's, it's about what Michaela thinks. Yeah. Yeah, because the thing well, is... What does she most want to know? I mean, Michaela pretty much nailed it. You know, Kaelin is not that complex and the things he doesn't just tell people Michaela knows because of candle well, there. See, she wouldn't have told. She wouldn't have told you she was a half orc if you hadn't asked. Yeah. So her second question was going to be, "Would you have said yes?" Yeah. And then became, "If you, you know, now that you already know, yeah, if you knew, yeah." But yeah, no. The um, the third question was purely. It's interesting finding out, thinking about this stuff, and he just picked it at random because mm-hmm. um, the um. Yeah, the, the only two ones he really wanted to know was the deity and what you look like, because those are the ones that have been haunting him. Haunting him. <laughs> and now you know her mysterious deity. Yeah, all right. Only 52, 52 yeah. recorded episodes in and an entire book worth prior to that. Yeah, although in all fairness, um, to be honest, it's just been bugging Kaelin. It's been haunting me. <laughs> Kaelin's just kind of linear. He, he thinks you should just know these things. All right. In session there. Yeah.